Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Min Max Show, a place about games, friends getting better, and apologizing for that intro you just heard. But you can thank Spencer Botin, who donated $200 to help foster kids in Minneapolis during our big Give to the Max charity stream to make that the intro of the podcast. So shout out to Forever, Spencer. Right? Uh, <laughs> for all of 2023. Well, I guess not the game of the year debates so yes that was it spencer hope you enjoyed it um but i'm ben hansen and speaking of give to the max before i forget on this very special episode of the podcast we are going to be talking about uh, the final reviews for 2023 we're getting everything in under the wire because the next several episodes of the min max show podcast are all going to be our game of the year debates but the back half of this episode is very special because we're answering community questions and we're going to be joined by another very generous member of the MinMax community, Haley DeBoom. Haley DeBoom, not Haley McLean. These are different Haley's, pure coincidence. Um, Haley from the community is going to be joining us to answer community questions because they donated to charity. So shout out to Haley ahead of time and then I look forward to meeting this person later. But we're also joined by Jeff Marchiafaba right here, right now, baby. That's me. And Jacob living in the present Geller. That's me. And Janet Garcia. That's me. Uh, Jacob, I finished shipping out all the prizes, like the auction prizes for the Give to the Max mm-hmm. stream. And uh, at a very interesting exchange where I was at the UPS store, UPS store shipping it out. And the, the person behind the counter seemed a little bit dorky. But they weren't really tipping their hand too much. But I was trying to like encourage them to be like, hey, look at all this dorky stuff. Isn't this fun to ship out a giant Mario box? Isn't this fun? Spider-Man PS5. And I was like, oh, yeah, it seems fine. And then the Alan Wake thing came up. And we shipped out an Alan Wake auction prize. Right. And they're like, oh, I've been meaning to play that. My favorite YouTuber uh, is like obsessed with it. I was like, who's your favorite YouTuber? He's like, uh, somebody named Jacob Geller. <laughs> it was very satisfying for them to be like, Jacob Geller was involved with his charity stream and they were truly blown away. So thank you for giving me just like a glimpse <laughs> of your fame that you walk around with all day. Because of Jacob Geller, I'm not shipping a refrigerator. Yeah, that's exactly the story I told. That's exactly it. Uh, Janet, Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. Uh, you've been traveling the world, or I guess all of California. We talked about it a little bit on Party Chat. I am very excited to talk to you about Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. But that's going to have to wait a little bit. But you have played that game, correct? Yeah. Sweet. Uh, but first, I want to talk to everybody in this room, including Jeff, um, as much as he wants to monologue about it, about God of War Ragnarok Valhalla. We talked about this DLC a little bit uh, last week as it was announced and released. Well, it was announced during the Game Awards and it was finally released this week um, after the long wait. Everyone finally got to play it. But this is the God of War Ragnarok uh, roguelike mode. Um, I've just started it. How much have you played, Janet? Um, I am also kind of in the beginning. I did okay. like, there's sort of the tutorial mission, quote unquote. And then I did my first run and I'm still in that run. So I'm like really okay. early. Okay, perfect. And then Jacob, where are you at with this thing? Um, I started playing it this morning and I have played probably two and a half to three hours. <laughs> okay. I, I heard a glimpse that has me so excited where, um, you seem to be much more into this thing than you're expecting, Jacob. Yeah. And, uh, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't even want to give away the things that happen in the first like hour of this. Okay. Uh, so, so I'm going to be very careful to like talk around it. Yeah. I mean, 
How about we can have spoilers for this section for just like the premise? I don't want to know any details of where the story goes, but I think the premise is important for understanding why this is compelling, you know? The premise is not the spoilery part, I think. So so the premise of this is Kratos receives a mysterious invitation. Uh, It takes place after the events of Ragnarok, like... I think uh, seemingly a couple months after, if not longer, like there is a time gap. And uh, he and Mimir go to Valhalla, right. uh, which is a uh, it's a roguelike that is constructed out of Kratos's uh, mind, kind of. And so what that means is generally, oh, you're going back to the locations that you were in the game, but they're kind of like dreamy. Uh, but then other stuff starts happening. Yeah. Okay. We, I mean, we should touch on just the earliest bits of the premise. So if you don't want to know anything about this basic premise for this thing, you can jump ahead. There's time codes below, but it was so much more compelling when it's like, okay, the invitation to the challenge that Kratos receives here calls him Kratos of Sparta. And then like Freya early on is also like, Hey, like Valhalla like draws on all of your memories, Kratos from your entire life. And in there you're an open book and this might get weird. And so without teasing anything too much, it seems like they are leaning into earlier God of War games in a bigger way than they did throughout the last two Norse games. Yeah, like more explicit references than I completely. I mean, like, like truly, you know, it is they they show in the trailer they show the cyclops right. from like god of war one and two that it's like they have new enemies and some of those enemies are from the early god of wars and that is like tip of the iceberg Ooh, okay i mean i'm intrigued by this thing because starting it like i'm not really into like the combat arenas i'm not much of a dlc guy but i am a god of war story guy and so even starting out this thing it's like all right i'm gonna have to play so much more of this because that premise is compelling and then also the idea of like it's really building on lightly where they're going in the future it seems like Kratos' relationship with Freya is much more important it's like okay there's some good God of War story stuff here that you're gonna have to blast through a roguelike I'm sorry if you don't like the genre but if you like God of War's combat good news there's a lot more of it but Janet what's your evolution with this thing so far yeah I'm I too am kind of um I mean I guess I shouldn't be too surprised that a studio that is known for its storytelling is telling another story. But at the same time, I I guess I just expected this to be a little bit more so arena E that it totally the maybe the story took a bit more of a backseat or is more set dressing. So I was really surprised to see how engrossing it is. And even just the way they begin to talk about, you know, again, without getting into spoilers, though, it's fairly early, like what's going on with him and Freya and sort of next steps in, Kratos's life essentially and what he wants to do and even just the way that's presented um was so in line with the bread and butter of what this franchise does well which is storytelling through casual and candid conversations so it's kind of Mimir hinting at oh well have you thought more about you know and they're kind of having that back and forth in between um so that really impressed me as well and I I really like how I'm kind of I am a fan of the God of War combat and it is a little um beat-em-up-y where it's like you can just you can just hit R1, like, you don't gotta think. But I think this this mode really invites you to appreciate and deepen your understanding of how dynamic and interesting the combat actually is. That's so I'm kind thing. of excited to see it in a new light. 
Totally. Like the Valkyries are there and they have incentives for you to kind of change up your build as you're making these runs through Valhalla. Hey, Jacob is a big combat freak. Uh, is it doing it for you to have to like build different loadouts for Kratos over and over again here? For sure. I mean, I yeah. So I, I really like the combat in these games. I was a big, you know, not not saying other people should, but like I enjoy playing these games on hard. I like I like doing it at the beginning of this. They're actually there are like six difficulties that they let you pick from. And so I think one of the interesting things is like if you don't want this to be a roguelike, it doesn't really have to be, you know, like you could put it on a pretty low difficulty and just kind of do runs and get new story stuff every time. And and have that be it. And, you know, you'd still be doing a lot of combat, but you wouldn't be like dying and restarting your runs but yeah it seems like they've taken a lot of inspiration from stuff like uh you know hades had a kind of thing where it incentivized you to be like hey this run use the sword and we'll give you more stuff you know and and this has that where it's like you get to pick your shield and your your rage type at the beginning of each run and you can do whatever you want but they have little like highlighted things where it's like you'll get extra stuff if you pick this one yeah um and and they let you kind of you're getting perks and and kind of like new weapon arts and whatever. And it kind of seems to point you towards like maybe this run is more of a spear run or this run is more of a blades run. And so it is fun just kind of like having that, you know, it is not nearly it doesn't have as much variety as a kind of like uh, bespoke roguelike. Um, but it still is doing it's way more fun than I had in like the Tartarus challenges, which oh, was yeah. the kind of game's previous arena mode. Yeah, I mean, you hinted on it or hinted at it. I think like it, to not bear the lead, it does feel like this is God of War's attempt at Hades. It's getting as close right. to a Hades style experience as they can with DLC. But it's just cool to see Santa Monica, such a huge studio, taking a stab at like, ah. Uh, how about we take some design lessons from Hades? Like every death, yeah. we're going to layer in some more story in here. You can talk to Freya after you die every time and things are going to be changing over time. Like it's some really smart stuff. Yeah. And like, to be clear, it's free and I would have paid for it. You know, <laughs> right, like right. it is, this is, this is for what I've played so far and I don't know how long it is, but like this is an easy $15 DLC. And the fact that it is totally free and you don't even have to have beaten ragnarok although it's kind of assuming that you have right like it's uh it's a no-brainer if you even like enjoyed the story of of ragnarok yeah i was surprised that they give you like all your weapons in the beginning i thought like well surely if it's gonna be a roguelike they're gonna be building that out you have to find your weapons as you go and stuff it's like no you have all the weapons and then you're just building out different systems with what are the glyphs and stuff and the upgrades as you're going along to try and incentivize you in different directions but yeah, it, it does yeah. seem cool. I like um, I like the fact that you can save at any point as well. Yes. Well, not at any point, but at certain things and like check out if you need to so you aren't locked into this run if you need to take a break. I also wrote down the can exit. I was like, <laughs> I've never been so excited to see the ability to exit a game safely. I was like, oh, this is going to, ch-, you know, I do think there's a lot of um, I'm kind of in a similar boat of I'm not a big rogue light or roguelike person. Just in general, I, I, I just not what I really gravitate um, to games for. Yeah. Um, but I do like trying stuff out. And I feel like this is very, this feels very friendly to someone who maybe isn't a big fan of those genres. Like if you didn't know the genre existed, I don't think you'd clock it as easily. You know what I mean? Like right. it doesn't feel, um, so it's, it's interesting because I feel like it's 
pro for some people is a con for others. Maybe really diehards would want something that's a little bit more verbose and traditional. But I think for what this franchise is, this kind of, for lack of a better term, more casual approach, I think is totally appropriate for, hey, people that like God of War don't necessarily like these kind of games. But if you're like a roguelite sicko, you'll be into it. And if you're yeah. a God of War person, you'll deal with the roguelite part of it to to get to kind of enjoy the experience again um, and dig into it. And it's also, it doesn't feel, I'm not too deep into like my runs, but it doesn't feel too hard because like also besides the difficulties, the gameplay is still what the gameplay is. And sure, maybe there'll be extra enemies. You might get overwhelmed, but like, you know, this gameplay and you've done a lot of it. So it has like a, a really smooth onboarding in that sense yeah. mechanically. Yeah. And there's the wildly higher difficulties if you really want to keep scaling it up. Like I saw some news story about like the team hasn't even beat it on the hardest difficulty. And so, all right, here's something to keep God of War fans happy for a long time. If they just want to keep grinding through stuff. But Yeah, but it does. It feels like the game wants you to get through it. Yeah. You know, like it's, yeah. it's not sometimes you play like I I still don't know if I ever actually beat um, Dead Cells or whatever, like all the way. I don't think I ever got to the end of that game. And I played like 50 hours of that game. But right. this is like, I'm going to finish it. You know, like I'm going to see whatever they've got at the end of the story. Without revealing anything, um, give me on your face and your hands how excited you've been so far based on some of the stuff you've seen story wise. Like, like an actual like. You know, like a like a jaw dropped. Like I can't believe that that's in there. Whoa! Okay, that's super cool. Uh, Got about Ragnarok Valhalla, everybody. I mean, yeah, it's telling that it's a very busy time of the year for catching up on games, and the fact that it's like, all right, you know what? This is so good that we will go back and play. Obviously, 2022's best game of the year. And and then later we'll play the new Last of Us roguelike because this is what they have studios doing now. I guess Ratchet and Clank roguelike coming soon. They're drinking the roguelike juice over at PlayStation Studios. They're I mean, just like I, passing it around. I think it's a really smart format for getting people to come back to your game with DLC. You know, instead of like, oh, here's a little bite-sized story thing. We know you forgot a lot of the details. Like, and especially when you can make a story-focused roguelike experience like this. I do wonder if I'm predicting a hot take. I bet people will be down on The Last of Us Part 2 roguelike and hot on this one because of the story components, right? But it's going to be minimal at best. I can't even imagine it's going to have any story for The Last of Us stuff because it's all kind of pulling in different yeah, characters and, you can play and stuff. As, like, you can play as characters who are dead. <laughs> right, so, <laughs> yeah, I guess that won't make no sense. Uh, well, maybe they'll also put that in Valhalla. It's like, oh, it's the afterlife. It's crazy here, Ellie. Uh, hey, Jeff, I'm speaking of the afterlife. You know where I want to go when I die. Pandora? Pandora, the only oh, place so for me, baby. Uh, you've been playing the Avatar game that we touched on briefly last time, but this is kind of the last big hurrah AAA experience of 2023 here. Uh, I have started it. Uh, Jacob, how many hours into Avatar are you at this point? Uh, three, Okay, maybe. And it's... Uh, that's that's the number of hours I'm going to be into it, probably. <laughs> okay, full disclosure, I feel like I want to defend this game. That's my attitude going into it, where I started it, and I was like, I I like this thing. I don't have time for it right now, but I like this thing. Uh, and Jeff, um, what's your experience been like so far? Um, I've played twice as much as Jacob, oh. uh, and I think I'm also done, too. You're done? Okay, give me the full yeah, journey. It's, okay, I, I guess um, the best... The best thing I can say is I feel like 
if you're Disney or whoever manages the Avatar franchise at this point, like this is the best case scenario I feel like you could get for a video game. Yes. Because you've you've grafted it onto this very successful other franchise that they know how to make very well. Um, With Far Cry? And that gets you... Yeah, yeah, Far Cry. Uh, and, and I feel like that gets you like 80% of the way and gets you a, a very solid game um, for your franchise. Obviously much better than uh, the one that they did years ago for 360. But I feel like... Um, at the same time, it's that other 20% where it's like, where I feel it struggling, kind of like butting up against the scaffolding of what you can do in a Far Cry world. And it's, it's just, it's not working for me. And it, and it feels like Ubisoft and you, you, you can watch, like I streamed like three hours of this last week and you can tell, like I, I started, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. And, and like you, you start off in the little base, you know, whatever. And then you get out into Pandora and it's like, wow, this is really, you know, really big and pretty. And like, I want to explore this world, but I feel like Ubisoft kind of, they, they take these lessons from, from other games that they, that they incorporate into their main franchises, but it always feels like the lesson is a little bit off. And, and this one made me think a, a lot about um, uh, Phoenix Rising, uh, Immortals, Phoenix Rising, of course. And, and like how, like they saw Breath of the Wild was super popular and they said, okay, let's, let's take Assassin's Creed and kind of make it more, more Breath of the Wildy, and, yeah. and people will like that. And they, and they looked at the, they looked at the exploration of it because this is, this is what reminded me and, and ultimately made me stop playing Avatar, but they looked at the exploration of Breath of the Wild and they were like, oh, well, people really like not having a ton of icons on a map. Right. They like just looking around and like marking things that look interesting and going there. And so they did that in, in Phoenix Rising, but essentially you just pull up the mode and you look around and, and it will vibrate when you get to an area of interest, at which point they just put that icon back on the map. And so you do, you look around and now you just have your map full of icons and they've just la- they've added this layer of obfuscation to like exploring, and they they didn't get what people liked about Breath of the Wild. I had that feeling back when I played Immortals, and then I had that again with this one because they it seems like they really want you to focus on exploring this world and being more in the world than you know like relying on UI and right. and stuff like that. But it but they haven't changed the design of like their missions or how they lay out areas that you are going around. They literally have just taken, like they've taken away any kind of GPS or like the, the normal clues that you kind of look for. And like they, they have an exploration mode and a guided mode. And the difference between them is on the guided mode, they just put a spot on your, on your map. And, and like, and when you go into avatar vision mode, there will be a little glowing place (laughs) kind of where you want to go to. Right. But like, but that's that's like their their take on getting you to the places that you need to go. But the but like the underlying mission structure and everything is still is still just like every other Far Cry game and every every game that they've made. Yeah, it is weird to be like, oh, it's Far Cry, it's Far Cry. I, it look, it is largely the Far Cry DNA. I mean, it's from uh, Massive, who's the studio that made the Division. And they're making that Star Wars Outlaws now. So it's not as simple as like, oh, the team that directly made the last Far Cry is making this. I'm sure 
team members have had a hand in the but Far Cry series at some point. But it is yeah. clearly the formula they're using. It I, is super, yeah. When I started it, and yeah, I think you can see my ex- excitement on that stream, like I was liking the things that were different about Far Cry. Right. But then it, but then it bumped into that, it bumped into that like, well, we've changed it from what Far Cry is, but we can only change it so much. And like the thing that was getting me was all the missions, and it's like literally every mission, they will give you a new mission, and the and instead of like, Telling you where to go, they'll give you some vague directions of where to go. And so they'll be like, hey, go meet Talik. He's uh, on the top of a mountain northwest of the outpost that you're at. And then, and then, and like, and to them, like the gameplay idea is like, okay, I'm going to go out. I look, you know, where northwest is on the compass. And then I'm going to explore and find that place. But in reality, like, you get to the mountain. And when I got to the mountain, my first my first impression was, okay, I'm going to climb this mountain and I'm going to find my way naturally, organically up this mountain because that's what you do in a Breath of the Wild or even like a Skyrim. Like like you like they they build an open world place and then you'd figure out how to do it. And that felt different and exciting to me compared to like a Far Cry where it's like, okay, I go out and I look for where the yellow tarp is on the ledge. And then I I climb that one ledge because that's how you get up a place in a Far Cry game. But that, that is what this is. It's just they've taken out the tarps, and it's like, you, you can watch me spend like half an hour on that stream trying to climb up a mountain, and like and the solution eventually was just like wander around the base until you find the one like zipline plant that you, that you zip up to it, and then like wander around and go down kind of a very bespoke like corridor of flowers and things, and like and, and it's but it's like really obtuse in a way that I'm that I'm just not vibing with because I kept on playing and like I kept on getting lost in in like these really stupid nonsensical ways. And it's like, oh, well, you know, my like my tarp, the thing I'm trying to get to is obviously up and to the right. But actually, I want to walk through like this cute little valley and go to the left because that's going to lead to a cannon canyon that like snakes around and will eventually lead me to. And it's like. You're you're still just building like the directions that you want me to go, but you you but in the in this in the name of exploration, you've kind of taken out like the cues that would that would help you get to the place, and you right. haven't added in any extra ways, like like in Breath of the Wild, if you want to get to a place, you can just climb up the damn mountain, or you can build yourself a big bridge, or what like like that's that's the part that makes these worlds feel like you're actually exploring them. You're actually discovering things yourself. And here yeah. it's much more, it, it's still like very structured and like a traditional kind of Ubisoft. We're making the, we're making where, where we want you to go. You're just going to have to find where that place is on your own. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm curious to see, like, you know, starting it out, I hadn't thought of this until I was playing it. Of like, Oh, this just feels like the sequel to Far Cry Primal. And I'm wondering if, you know, you're not directly comparing it to something like Tears of the Kingdom, which is a high bar, naturally, if those people that want a new Far Cry Primal or want a new Far Cry experience that's just All different enough. People. I think they're out there, man. I saw them online. I was looking. They're out I, there, Are they Jaga. in the mirror? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like it. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it, it reminded me of Far Cry Primal, too, but I, I still liked Far Cry Primal more. Okay. The, and and part, of it, part of it is, like, this weird design, because in, in Far Cry Primal, you're not... Like you're you're not it's not as vertical of a game and it's not it it's like 
Far Cry Primal still followed the traditional kind of Far Cry. Like you were, it was set in BC or whatever, and you were killing mammoths or whatever. But like the, but they didn't sit down and say like, okay, let's let's make a Far Cry game, but much more exploration based. And so let's take out the cues of things. I'm sure you had like yellow beetles or whatever, like bug <laughs> juice pointing you to where where to go. And it, it's like, yeah. and every time so I've hang tried on, just to be clear, play but, this. But in this, I mean, do you have it on the exploration mode? Because you do have that. No, I can... switched to guidance in okay. like the first okay. 20 minutes. And it's still like the map sucks. Like the way that they, <laughs> the way that they, that little, that little pin that they put on your map of like, yeah. well, this is where you want to go. It's like, it's, it's at the top of a fucking mountain. How do I get up the mountain? Or, or it's like, I was in the mother tree. And I had a conversation. Awa, give with her the, her respect. Her name is Awa. No, they call. They call. <laughs> I was in the mother tree talking to a character in there, and she was like, "Okay, uh, like meet me at the top of the mother tree, and we'll discuss this further." And then, like, she disappeared, and then, and then it was like, I'm just sitting there, like looking around, like, how do I get to the top of the fucking mother tree? And it's like, <laughs> I, I walked around inside the stupid mother tree for like 20 minutes with, and and like I put on my vision mode because this is the guidance mode and it's like I can see I can see your silhouette like 50 feet up but like I had to leave the mother tree and just like wander around the outside of the mother tree to find the path up to just to talk to her for the next for like to get the next mission and it's it's been it's been that repeatedly um to the point where it's just like and 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 this makes it makes it sound like it's a terrible game. I like some of the other systems. Like I like the craft. I <laughs> like the crafting friends. system. I like collecting. You know, they they put a little more thought into like when you're collecting stuff, you have to like you you grab it and there's like there's an actual you have to like use the triggers specifically and like actually pull it off. And how you do that affects like the quality of the crafting material that you get, which will then make better. Like all that stuff is is interesting. Um, but it's like, but that exploration sense of it, and also the combat is is Meh. sorry, but not not like not super great. Yeah. Can we uh, can we talk about the the avatar property of this because God, like I, I, I think that. it's very uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this has taken place between the two movies in the lead up to the new one. But what about it? Uh, has captured your imagination, there, Jacob? I mean, I, it's really, I just think it's really interesting to have, like, you know, what what, is, what does the licensed game look like in particularly an era where, yes. like, studios are really exerting a lot of control over their IP. And I was like, I was thinking about this in the beginning where you you can design the Navi that you are playing as, even though the game is in first person, but you can you can make them. But, like... The options that they give you are so limited. It really felt like there was a directive that was like, we cannot make the Navi look stupid. Like they can't. Yeah. You know, the, the McElroys cannot do a monster factory on the Navi. <laughs> James Cameron's going to gonna freak like. the f- out if he sees that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but like one of the things that I really liked about the beginning is like, it is there is more of an emphasis when you are playing in first person of like the height difference yes, yes. between a Navi and a human than you really get in the movies or like you know you, you see it sometimes but it's like it, it is really something else to be like the whole the whole first part of the game there's a very long intro which is it, it is probably uh, 20 minutes too long but like you know you're you're in a human base 
and you're constantly like ducking and sliding That's to go through cool doors yep. in this way that I, I think is really cool. And there is like when you're fighting humans, you can just if they're, you know, it's like sometimes they're in mech suits and sometimes. But if like if they're just walking around on the ground, you can just slide into them and they go flying <laughs> because you are like 10 feet tall and way stronger than them. Yeah, like and punching so, like, your first human and having them fly across rooms like this is this is a weird part of the Navi fantasy I hadn't really thought of before, but it is satisfying to be like, OK, puny humans, you've got to get out of the way. Yeah. So it's like as you know, and as as a fan of the Avatar franchise, like I like that. I think. Probably the game's biggest achievement is like Pandora itself, visually unbelievable. Totally. Like the the density of like flora here is pretty, you know, like I, I can't really think of a game that has like more dense vegetation everywhere. And it all feels very avatar vegetation and you have those like <laughs> giant roots that you can like run and jump on. And like all of that is really cool. And I was thinking like, you know, it's kind of the licensed game thing of like, maybe I can put aside some of my like, you know, it, the game is not that interesting mechanically, but I'm enjoying the avatarness enough that it can kind of get away with it. And then I just got to the first home base where there are just like 20 people and Navi standing around. And I saw all the currencies that they wanted me to like upgrade my armors yeah. with. And I got there and immediately I was just like, eh. You know, like it kind of all the fun went away because that was such a like video gamey room that was not representative of the Avatar experience that suddenly I just like the the fun of the license kind of slipped away. Yeah, I hear that. I do think I mean, I, I just get excited for the idea of a licensed game being this big of a production. I feel like over the last 10 years, we've yep. all been looking around and be like, where? What happened to the license games? Oh, if you're lucky, there's some free-to-play garbage on a phone that's tying into the new animated film, you know? So the idea of the biggest budget animated films of all, the Avatar franchise, like <laughs> them getting this huge production and the fact that it's like co-op all the way through, like it, it is cool to see, um, even if a lot of these things can be frustrating in there. And yes, there are some familiar tropes, but it's still like, yeah, you know what? A lot of people love the Far Cry formula. Like having a cool version of that on a sci-fi planet, I... I'm all for it, even if I don't want to play it. If I wanted to go back to a Far Cry formula, I'd go back to this one for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and and it's and and that's why I said like they it was a it was a very smart move for them to give it to Ubisoft and for Ubisoft to put it onto this kind of formula. And like, if you are an Avatar fan, and if your nephew or whatever is into Avatar, I don't know how well they're going to do if, if this is like their first video game kind yeah. of thing. But like if if you enjoy video games and you enjoy Avatar, like there's crossover there that that would probably part of this by all means is a me problem um, get, and the things that I have gotten annoyed with it. But like there there is there is a solid kind of somewhat formulaic game there that yeah. has some interesting things going on as well that are different from other games. And and as much as I, I say that I don't really like the combat at that much, like running around and punching humans, I probably, 90% of the people I've killed, I've done just by running up and punching them, and that is very satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, I'm curious to see what everybody thinks. I feel like this might be one of those where, yeah, there's a weird 
it's weird to call it a cult classic based on the the license. No, but, but it, you'll just hear that it sold like five million copies. Right. And you'll be right. Like, what? Yeah, and I bet one million of those people are really gonna love it. Uh, but yeah, Avatar: Frontiers of Pandora, everybody. Janet. Hello. Let's move to Ubisoft's future, please. Uh, because you went to San Francisco, uh, San Francisco, a uh, big trip, uh, which Ubisoft uh, paid for, to be very clear, um, to play Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Yeah, back I, at it like a bad habit. Uh, yeah. We played a bit uh, at SGF. Um, if you watch the extended vlog, you know that Leo got violently ill during that preview unrelated to the game but it is an interesting it's what i remember prince of persia for it was funny um, like during the game awards reaction stream um when the prince of persia trailer popped up that's the first thing sarah says like leah remember this is the game that made you puke your brains out i it like gosh that everything everything we did during sgf like go check out the vlog in the extended cut if you haven't but um i did clarify before you know taking this i'm like is it going to be a new slice of the game because we already had played like yeah. a 30 minute segment uh yeah it is a different slice this was i think it, i want to say it was three hours long whoa okay long sweet time to play which it's a great game let me get that out of the way i'm loving it i'm into it i think people are gonna kind of stand this game when it comes out um Feels i good. think it's gonna be i do think because it's sort of i mean it's a prince of persia game but i think from its visuals from the fact that you know, there's also that remake happening that's kind of taking a while. Like, I think people might inadvertently, rel- and then it comes out, I think, in January. So I think for all those reasons, a lot of people are going to sleep on the game. But the people that play it are going to be like, hey, this was secretly like a really incredible game from this year. And it's going to be like, I, I think there's going to be a lot of buzz around it. Yeah, it's um, going to be pri- it's prime for like the 2024 debates. Like, do you remember that Prince of Persia Lost Crown came out in January? Remember how fun that game was? Um, and just, yes. yeah, just if you're not familiar, this is the game that is a new 2D Prince of Persia game that's a Metroidvania. They aren't using yeah. the term, but it is a Metroidvania, right, Janet? It's a Metroidvania. Okay, great, great, um, great. And if they're not using the term, they definitely used it when they were talking about it. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I watched, like, in the overview trailer they just released. So, like, it's uh, an exploration game where you get upgradable powers. They had some convoluted way of just over-explaining it, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to scare people off because right. I do think, much like Roguelite and other genres, like, there are... There are some genres that are super popular, and I think it can be off-putting if you're like, I don't know if I want another one of these. And I do think the, I mean, it's not a Metroidvania. I was going to try to be like, oh, it's not, the, it's a Metroidvania. Um, it, it's a great Metroidvania, though. And, I, and one of the things that really stood out for my session is they have this, like, what might become my dream feature in every Metroidvania yep, ever. They yep. have a feature where you open the map up. And you can, um, well, like while you're in like an, a level or an area, right, you can press a button and essentially take a picture, like a screenshot, and it takes that screenshot and pins it to the map. So when you open the map, you can so see smart. like a, a small little icon of the image. And I was like, oh, my God, is this like and uh, they're called memories, the uh, images that you take. Wait, sorry. Can you can you explain that again? Yeah. I'm. I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around what that no, means. No, for sure. So let's say you're standing, you know, I don't know, in a, a hallway, there's a high ledge and you're trying to think okay i want to remember oh to come back okay here, so right? it's like it's like reminding myself double jump come back here when i well, get but instead of just, jump. it's the cleanest way to do that because just take a screenshot of the yes. obstacle and that's pinned to your map so you can oh, see what the obstacle really is yeah and the way it's pinned to your map is like when you open the map picture like a really small like image almost like i think of a desktop right how you have like a, if you have a jpeg there it looks fairly tiny but of course you can zoom in click on it you can have up to 15 on your map at a time um i did ask 
is that to so that like the player can't use as many or is it just to avoid it getting cluttered? And yeah. um, the person that I had spoken to was um, Joseph Antoine Clavette, who's the cinematic lead. Um, and he had said it's kind of a mix of both. Right. He's like, you don't want the player to overclutter their map and then kind of just make a mess for themselves. But also you want like a slight element of strategy to it. So yeah. you can have up to 15. You can delete them, though, at will and like place them. But that was, I thought, like so smart. And yeah. I feel like everywhere I turned, there was little details like that to cling to and love about this game. Um, it, you know, it's 2D. So in lieu of like a there's kind of a dodge, but in lieu of it just being a dodge, like you could dodge backwards, but you can also slide under enemies and the sliding feels really good. And it's super fun to kind of, you know, you'll maybe like do an attack and then slide underneath and then attack from behind. And then and there's also all these really fun combos you can do. So um, funnily enough, kind of like going back to, you know, I was talking about God of War before. I think it's one of those games where you can mindlessly button mash for sure. And it's casual enough that you can. But if you want to get a little bit more strategic and think about, okay, I'm going to lift this enemy and then I'm going to do a two hit combo and fling them this way. Like you can have fun there and there's that depth and there's tutorialization baked into the game that's optional that facilitates engaging with that depth. And you also get like little rewards from that. So I just feel like the design is really down packed for this game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really have my time with it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It, like watching their overview trailer, it, I was surprised, like, oh, that's right, it's a Metroidvania. I forgot about that somehow, but, like, the, how much emphasizing the map was, like, okay, this is going to appeal to a certain uh, crowd for sure. And then just, yeah, the idea of that much of a focus on combat, like having that much stylish action-style moves in a Metroidvania that's 2D, it, it's a cool fusion that it feels like it's set up. I'm I am curious to see what they stumble on, if they stumble on everything, because it, it feels like a great little project uh, from Ubisoft, and this is... This is a cowardly way to state it, but I was angry for people giving Ubisoft crap in the YouTube comments that I was looking at today because everyone's like, make a real Prince of Persia. This isn't real. Give us what we want. It's like, this is as classic Prince of Persia as you can get. This is going back to the <laughs> yeah. 2D roots and making an awesome version yeah. of that. Like, it made me so mad. But I guess everyone just wants to be angry about that remake of, you know. Well, people hate Ubisoft. Ubisoft's one of the most hated on the internet um, development studios right next to EA. Uh, yeah, yeah. Could the end and like you know obviously I do think there's some criticism of their games that's warranted right we just had a conversation about like this game's not really that good right um but I do think it's a mixed bag with Ubisoft and that they do have times where they really do shine and I feel like unfortunately a lot of the conversations around the studio is when they do something incredible it's like oh well that's an outlier who you are is whack and maybe statistically that might be a little bit true but I do think they get unnecessary amounts of heat when the heat is due but then they don't get the love as much for when they like knock it out of the park which, right like you know a cool little single player project like this and jeff um, you can relax you can breathe a sigh of relief uh they have a guided mode option which is a cool idea if you don't like metroidvanias where it'll just tell you exactly where to go in the metroidvania yeah. so you won't get lost with your stupid little hands and eyes over there um i did get a, definitely a little turned around at times um but also it's a it was a tough like i loved the game and i had fun playing it but it was tough going three hours full, no stuff. Like, and also the the boss combat is challenging in this oh, game. Yeah? Um, it's fun. It's cool. I think it's a good amount of challenge. Again, they have a lot of things within the difficulty, different tweaks you can get. Um, they have a parry. The parry's fine, I guess. I've, I've gotten used to it and able to kind of execute it. I do think, I'm afraid I'm misspeaking, but I believe they even have like that parry window 
like slider, I think. Mm. I'm a little worried Feels that like I like, didn't jump that down right. But um, yeah, they have a lot of just like cool stuff you can do. Um, the telegraphing is very obvious, though. They have like a really, you know, a big flash on the screen for the, hey, this is the one you're going to want to hit because if you do, you can combo back really well. Um, yeah, like my heart, w- my heart rate was like elevated hardcore at some of these battles. Um, there's just like a lot of fun things in the alcoves. Like, I think it's just a very strong metroidvania i really felt the dna of titles like um ori in this like mm, okay. part in the design and then part even in the just execution the idea of having really fluid movement i mean this is a platformer at heart like with a strong combat system so if you're yeah. someone like me and you love jumping around like you're gonna have a blast because they keep adding also like really fun abilities like you'll get a dash eventually and you can kind of like you know, there's a lot of, again, it's Prince of Persia, so there's, you know, funky stuff with time, and you'll have, like, the, you know, there's a section where it's like, okay, you, you hit this bell, and then a platform sort of uh, appears underneath, and then it, like, you have the time, you know, it's got some just, like, fun, joyful things. Like, the platforming isn't really going to be ridiculously challenging, right? This isn't Celeste or Super Meat Boy or any of those titles, but it's playful in its execution of platformers. And that's like one of my favorite things because like, I'm pretty good at platformers. So I'm like just flying around like a two dimensional God. Like I had a good time with it. It feels old school in the right ways, but with a lot of modern sensibilities, some of which that I think that I hope other games borrow from after this comes out. Yeah. Um, One quick thing I do want to make sure I get to though is it is a little long. So I'm a little worried. That oh, people, no. How long do you think this game is? This feels like from, a great 15-hour game. That's exactly what I was going to say. A little bit more. It's 20 to 25. Which okay. Is like, it's just a little is, long. That's that all. And thought, it sound, yeah. So far, it's shaped up to be awesome. I'm having a great time with it. You know, but I do think, again, that wider conversation of, I think this is an awesome game that I worry people won't get to. And I'm like, oh, the 20 to 25 just seems like another thing that people are going to be like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it. But it's really cool. Um I loved it. I'm excited to see, you know, the full build. There's, like, a bunch of systems in it, too. Like, amulets you can equip and all these fun upgrades. Like, it's just... I think it's going to be a really fun way to do... If you want to do a completionist run, too. Because the stuff you get feels really rewarding. And, like, how you can cater to your style. So... I was, I was very into it. I love it. Yeah, Uh, they have a free demo on January 11th. And it comes out January 18th there. Hey, Ben, can I I do uh, a segue here? Take it away, dude. Uh, Janet, have you heard of a game called Blasphemous 2? <laughs> I'm, it sounds like I'm about to. Oh, uh, baby. I, literally everything that you just described, except for the screenshot thing, is in the video game Blasphemous 2, which came out this year. Uh, and it's very good. Yeah, Jacob, right, I started uh, it too after you were raving about it. And I was like, oh, damn it. This is excellent. <laughs> we are. We should be shamed for not talking about it earlier. It is a, up a lot, I think. <laughs> it, it is a... a uh, platformer metroidvania with very tight combat in which you hit a bell and platforms appear under your feet and it has challenging bosses and it, it you have lots of different places to go and the art style is beautiful. Um, it's a, I, I mean, like, I'm still excited for Prince of Persia. I don't sure. mean to, like, suck the wind out of its sails. <laughs> but, like, this is, um, Blasphemous 2 is, like, it is, like, the ur-metroidvania. Like, it is it is the purest distillation of the genre i feel like where it is just so like it is so exactly that genre and it's not really 
it's not it's not doing like a variation on the theme it is just doing the theme but like the fundamentals there are just so solid that it's like i can't can't deny it this is just exactly what people want when they say they want that genre yeah and i think the shorthand for a lot of people for the last month series is like oh it's the souls like game uh that's a metroidvania do you think that's it's still fair so how hard is it? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only yeah. thing where I feel like they might sort of splinter in that sense. But I love the description because, yeah, that sounds like totally up my alley. But like how hard is hard? I mean, I, I, I do depend. not think I think Blasphemous 1 was harder than this. I might just be misremembering this game. I did not find particularly challenging other than like the last two bosses. Um, the the Souls like thing is the only way in that's in um and how that's true is like when you die, you leave a little stake there and then you can okay. go retrieve it, gotcha. which is such a common mechanic that I feel like that that does not even really denote souls anymore. I get well, I guess you have like flasks that replenish. Um, I I would not say it's like if you bounce off Dark Souls, it, it, don't sure. don't count Blasphemous out. Uh, really, what it is is it's the it's the Metroidvania about Catholicism. Like that's is that that's like most Metroidvania? You know, Castlevania <laughs> wow, is that not yeah. just Catholicism with more <laughs> of the cool true. parts? <laughs> this one this one is very specifically like Spanish Catholicism, like okay. in Spain, uh, kind of, and it has really really beautiful pixel art of like very disturbing kind of religious imagery of like you know you know like dudes who would like flail their back because of god or whatever it's like that's the kind of enemies that you're fighting in this um one thing that's really interesting about it that i didn't even realize until like halfway through is at the beginning they you get to choose one of three weapons and i just thought it was being like hey what what weapon do you want to use and i only realized later that those weapons are also traversal tools. And so it's like at the beginning of Super Metroid, if they were Mm. like, do you want the ball or the missile or like the, the space jump or whatever? And so like each one gets you into different places of the map, meaning like based on the one you pick, you're actually going to be exploring the game in like very different ways, uh, which is like a, a really clever idea. Um, well, you know that's kind of that's up. more important for replays than uh, than anything. It doesn't affect your your first playthrough that much, right, but right. it's like it's it's really just like damn, that is a solid Metroidvania. It is it is so it is so just like it gets that genre exactly. That's sweet. Yeah, it's out on everything. Blasphemous too. And I'm sorry we didn't include it. People were uh, screaming at us after the music episode because we didn't include a track from Blasphemous too. But the music is also uh, fantastic. Uh, I regret not including a track in the in the big music. Oh, is there is there a like particular track that's really good? Uh, There is. Let me see. Somebody sent one in. Let's see if we can find it. Uh, You know what's funny too? One of my notes from Prince of Persia was Metroidvania aspects so far feel more like shortcuts in a Souls game. So I feel like the Metroidvania genre is looking across the aisle at Souls and they're like, what can we take from that? Well, I um, mean, it's like, that's that's the soul, Souls-likes take a lot from Metroidvanias in that it's like, oh, yeah. I've got an elevator yeah. that goes here now? Yeah. Yes. It's like, who invented an elevator that goes here now, I guess? Who gets the credit? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, that. that sounds really interesting. I should... I gotta get to that. But then it's like, 
Do I spend all 2024 trying to repair 2023 sins? Like you got to let it go at like some point. You still have time. Have you have time to jump Catholic into this. Thing for you to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, exactly. here's, a, here's a track from uh, Blasphemous Two here. Let's call Emily Reese back up. Let's have her review this track real quick, please. Uh, Let's redo the whole thing. Have you been uh, Have you been playing a lot of our games on that uh, Steam Deck OLED, Jacob? I have. That was that was one that I played. I played uh, Slay the Princess, which I think a lot Ooh, of our nice. community is really into. Yeah, um, is a really interesting game. Uh, and I've also I've been using the Steam Deck too. I'm finally getting good at Sifu, which is something that I've wanted to do forever. And and Steam Deck is like a great sifu machine that's weird that's so funny yeah what you connect with like oh this is the great handheld game and like yeah sifu would be a cool game to play on the couch in a handheld mode i guess yeah um but the the oled thing i mean we haven't really talked about it i know you probably haven't played too much of the original steam deck but do you have thoughts on that steam deck oled here i i brought it to my friend's house who has a steam deck a normal and like (laughs) honestly it does not seem like if, if i played mine and then two weeks went by and someone like swapped it with with the old one and I had that like distance, I don't think I would notice. Okay. You know, it is it is lighter. Apparently the battery is better. You know, for me, I'm not playing games in direct sunlight that much. And so like the OLED thing doesn't you know, it's fine. I right, I, right, I appreciate right. that it's better. But like really I'm just impressed with the Steam Deck as a machine. It's really neat. Yeah. Awesome. Uh hey, speaking of really neat I'm sorry to do this to everybody, but um, I think I'm a Fortnite fan now. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. They finally got you. They finally got me where I've dabbled before. To be fair, I was the world's first Fortnite fan when they first announced it. Then they lost me for a while. And then I've tried to get into a couple more times and they've lost me again. I, I guess I wasn't fully plugged in. Like when they had those announcements, what, last week of like, hey, by the way, Lego Fortnite's now a thing and Rocket Racing and Fortnite Festival. Here you go. Like... That didn't really hit me as a big deal until jumping in and realizing just the extent of what they've added to Fortnite, where it's not a new thing within the game of Fortnite itself. It's just they've turned the game of Fortnite into now its own launcher within the Epic Game Store launcher, if you're on PC, which is weird, where now you can play all these other games that are connected within the Fortnite universe. Um, Jacob, have you been dabbling in some of these things? I have played the racing game and okay. I have done the uh, rock band game and I've yeah. played normal Fortnite, but I haven't touched the Lego part yet. Honestly, because I'm intimidated because it just sounds so like it just sounds like I'd be starting a new like game. Yes. And oh, so I've yes. been scared to start it. <laughs> no, you would absolutely be starting a new game. Uh, the easy shorthand for this is, yeah, they added Lego Fortnite and it's. It's Minecraft-esque. I think an easier comparison point is it's it's Valheim light. You know, it's it's Valheim for babies, but you know what? As somebody who freaking loved Valheim in 2021, like, I am 
happy to have this. Like it was just, it came in the perfect time of my life and I'm not trying to hype it up too much. Uh, but you know, I literally was just hanging out with some friends and we're like, we need like some co-op game that we can all play together. Like we could go back to Valheim. It still rules, but we'd have to teach this other person how to get into it. Like, is there some other good co-op game that'd be easy for everybody to play? And then Lego Fortnite pops up and I was like, Hey, it's going to give you a lot of the same thrills as a Valheim where you're running around building stuff, surviving co-op, exploring the world. Uh, but just super, smooth, great feeling gameplay. There's a dodge button, which changes everything. Your Legos, which is cute in and of itself. Um, but it's, it is exactly what I'm looking for at this point. And it is wild to think of it and the success that it has so far and where it can go in the future. Cause you know that Epic's is going to keep building on this forever. Like they had a statement like, Hey, we're going to clear up any confusion. Like all of these games that we've added, they're not like timed events. Like these are, these are now fully featured games that we're going to be building on the same way that we're building on Fortnite. And so just knowing the roadmap that Lego Fortnite could potentially have in front of it. And the fact that's like, this is a free to play Minecraft. Everybody like every kid in the world is going to want to play this. So, you know, like it is going to be the new default. And when you just, when kids talk about wanting to play Legos, they won't mean the classic bricks anymore. Like it's just going to be playing Lego Fortnite. Like I think it's just no, going to continue to climb. Earlier this week, I like I I think I talked about it uh, last week on the show. I like could not play because it was so like Lego Fortnite specifically. Just that one, that game mode is clocking like two million players a night. Like it's it's unbelievable how many people are online. Yeah, and is that every system? No idea. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, it is fun to look at the numbers that they're sharing, at least on I'm playing on, on PS5 there. Um, but, I mean, I think for a game that has crafting and building it, I think, like, the UI and controls, as good as they can be, you know, cross-platform play, having just voice chat with people playing in different systems, uh, it, it seems delightful. Like, it doesn't have, just to keep comparing it to, uh, comparing it to Valheim, but it doesn't have, like, the um, kind of mystery and mythology of Valheim where the, so much of the fun of Valheim is like, I don't know what's around the next hill or I don't know what that biome is going to be like. That's going to be such a scary thing to explore. And in this one, it's like, oh, there are caves that are going to get a little bit hairy every once in a while to explore. And we've already run into situations where like, oh, there's just a huge creature roaming around this mountain that will just destroy you. Um, and that still has a little bit of that fun. Like you want a sense of danger in here. And also on that sense of danger front, in Lego Fortnite, like they have storms rolling through and like weather and it might be the most intense storms I've experienced in any game ever. It is weird. Like the sound design is incredible and there's just lightning coming in all over the place. And if it hits you, you're dead. Like it is really cool to have a game that's a Lego game, but also give you that feeling of like, oh my God, this storm is so bad. I need to go hide in a cave right now and fear for my life. Um, but also I just seeing like, what people are doing online, it definitely has a little bit of that Tears of the Kingdom style energy of people just making wild things, attaching rockets to nonsense. Like, it's off to a really good start, even if it's a little bit bare bones compared to, you know, like a Minecraft or a Valheim. But I am I'm feeling super optimistic about where they're going with Lego Fortnite. But, Janet, have you watched, like, streams? Are you interested in any of this stuff? Lego Fortnite, I... Maybe. Like, okay. I, there's so much co-op stuff to, like, dig into that it's tough to pick a lane. And then, you know, for people that aren't in our industry, it's like they're playing all that. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I'm not going to force you to. It's got to be, like, a casual, natural occurrence. So, I don't know. I mean, I have dabbled in, like, 
Minecraft with my partner before, so maybe sure. this could be like another take. Um, I think I'm more interested in the rhythm game stuff and yeah. uh, kind of, I guess, more quick hit experiences from that. But yeah, I mean, we're only about 10 years from Fortnite Game of the Year being its own category. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sad but true. It's going to be a, a weird one if I keep playing this and keep loaning it as much as I think I will. Um, also, it's just weird to go into this experience and just think, I don't care at all about skins at all. And then as I'm playing it as like my default Lego person, I'm like, you know what? It's wild that this is the same ecosystem and what I can get like solid snake as a skin in here. Like Come that does through, sound pretty silly and fun. I don't know if we'll be able to resist that. You got, I mean, like why resist? Right. It's like, I, you Money, know, I, I don't know. I guess you have a family to think of now, but like, <laughs> who cares? like it's a free no game. Baby food. I spent it on V bucks. I know facts. It's like, how am I going to feed my family? <laughs> Someone help. Um, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a free game. So right. it's like, you know, I can always justify it as like, I'm not dumb. I'm a pillar in the community. I'm supporting the team, you know, like, yeah, it'd be it'd be bad if I didn't eventually buy the $80 V pack right. to buy everybody from Dragon Ball Z that I wanted. And then is that money gone now? And do I now need more because they keep adding more interesting people? Yeah. Why do I want them? Because it's fun to be them. I don't know. Yeah. I can't. I'm not a. I'm not a psychologist. So I'm I haven't just a consumer. I thought I saw something about this. Like they have converted every Fortnite skin into a Lego version of it. Is that right? Like, are there Lego Dragon Ball Z people now? Okay, we don't know. We're wincing. I, I thought I saw some headline like, about that. I think but. they've done every skin, but not maybe every emote or something like that. Like I think okay. there's some aspect of limitation, but I. I'm not sure. We'll figure it but out. I also saw that article, but I don't really remember anything specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I also had the same experience jumping into Fortnite Festival, which is the music game that they've added that Harmonix made, and had that moment of like, why do I have a Goku emote? Like, what the hell is happening here? Oh, did you find out, Janet? Oh, uh, uh, Ray Lazula in the chat said, no, just Star Wars and some Marvel, and of course the Fortnite original. Okay, all right, so I can't be Lego Solid Snake. All right, you know what? Not let's, yet. Let's delete time, this part of the know? podcast. This this game's trash, it turns out. What's the point of playing Lego Fortnite? Um, Game actually bad now. But yeah. you can be Solid Snake singing Imagine Dragons radioactive <laughs> in the new... Oh, it's, it is a delightful version of the metaverse. Uh, yeah, so new Harmonix game, everybody. And it's a free-to-play music rhythm game that Harmonix made with Fortnite Festival. And it's being played by millions of people, which... If you're a fan of harmonics and music rhythm games, like it's worth celebrating that this many people are jumping into this thing. But Jacob, what do you think about the the rhythm game here? It's it's a kind of interesting thing to talk about because it's at this point the only way to play it is with a controller or on your keyboard. Yes, they have said that they are working on getting the old instruments being able to connect them. What I'm hoping is this means they also start making new instruments because yes. those are really expensive right now to get used. Um, but like it's it's this very weird kind of harmonics uh, as as a you know a, a developer with like a long pedigree of this stuff. Like the controls were at first baffling to me <laughs> because you have it's the rock band or guitar hero just falling gems. You know it, it the UI looks exactly the same except you have four notes and they are right and left on the D pad. And then your X and B or square and O buttons on your controller, which is not how any other 
controller-based rhythm game plays. You know, it's like the Night in the Woods rhythm game doesn't do that. The uh, the Volcano High rhythm game, not that. But, like, once you have played for a while, you start realizing that, like, what you can do with that is, like, make chords, quote-unquote, in a way that you can't if they're all the face buttons because you can kind of have, like, your inside chord or, like, your outside sure. or kind of, like, left and right. And so it's, like, it, it, it's... The the controls are kind of the most interesting thing to talk about here because otherwise it is literally just rock band or guitar hero. But like I I don't know. I think it's I think it's interesting how they're trying to make an Xbox controller kind of feel like a plastic guitar. Yeah. You know, and it, not just like a quick time event. It is so fun to think about. Like as a fan of harmonics, it's just a fascinating lineage of design. Cause I'm with you, Jacob, where I jumped in and was like, what are these controls? This is dog crap. But then going in the menu, you can change it so it's just the top buttons, and it's then typically about four buttons compared to frequency and amplitude. The PS2 harmonics games, which are some of my favorite games of all time, which are three buttons, but still switching it to the top buttons here in Fortnite Festival is like, okay, this is wild to think about. Like This is now the new lineage, the new line for that frequency design sensibility. Is this the new frequency and amplitude? And I was getting so excited about the idea about like, oh my God, then they can bring the whole tunnel back and they can bring back all the best parts of frequency. This is going to be sweet. Um, and maybe we could eventually lock tracks down, then jump to different instruments like you can in those games. Uh, but then I started getting a little bit deflated. But then I flipped and realized like, oh no, it's not so much that... What a roller coaster. It really was. It's not so much the lineage <laughs> of like frequency and amplitude. This is, it feels like the alpha version of them fully recreating rock band within Fortnite festival yes that is that is exactly what it is yeah because they want you to buy the songs and like if they're as i say they want to get the instruments in there they say it's like their highest priority um and then well, they, and i don't even know do they want you to buy the songs you can currently are there songs for sale yep. this is something i okay yep so it has like the the jam sessions of the day or whatever and then if you want to lock one of those down then they want you to spend the V bucks or whatever oh, to, to buy. Okay, because one of those I kind tracks. of liked that I on different days I just showed up and there were different songs to play. Like yeah. actually, I liked that it was kind of a revolving something. Yeah, I found it a little bit dry. Like it's weird because on the expert mode, it controls exactly like the way that you could play Guitar Hero on the old PS2 controller. Like, if you didn't have your guitar, you could totally use the buttons and they had a mode for you there. And so it's weird that on expert mode, it is bringing back just that idea of like, well, there's a five-button track now for expert mode in Fortnite Festival and we're going back to that design from 2005 that we had for the best we could do. Um, but it feels about as fun as that to me of like, well, playing Guitar Hero without the guitar, it's okay as a fan of rhythm games. This type of gameplay makes me happy, but it's not that interesting uh but yes if they are eventually adding local multiplayer support and this is going to be a way to just have new songs pumping through with new instruments and jacob i know we've struggled with plastic instruments and bringing them back but like if you put a big Fortnite branding on these things and put them in an end cap at walmart will people yeah. buy rock band instruments jeff is it happening oh my god get out of here they, we, they they'll them never be the there because <laughs> they'll be sold out all the time <laughs> I mean, genuinely, do you think this is the chance that Rock Band has of coming back is under the Fortnite label? Do I think if you put something into Fortnite, it'll be popular? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben with a hard-hitting question. Yeah, you know, that's a very insightful point there, everybody. Um, but that said, like, 
there were experiences here where it's like, all right, I'm playing some Billie Eilish um, and playing guitar on Bad Guy is one of the worst music rhythm experiences I've had my entire life. Like the songs currently, they're not exactly, they don't feel like they're cherry picked for fun playability. Like there's some songs from like Epic that are really fun, but so many of these tracks, it's like, uh, uh, this is the most boring drum pattern I could possibly be playing for an entire song. And I'm kind of stuck. Yeah, in no, I, I played um, uh, Kendrick Lamar's I on guitar. And then like 60% of the way through that, I was like, this this is a bass song like this song does not have a guitar solo. <laughs> right. They're like there's like a 45 second stretch of the song that doesn't have guitar at all. And, yeah. and I was just kind of like listening to that song. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. But after playing this, it, it got me excited. And then I went and booted up Amplitude on PS5. It's technically the PS4 game, but, you know, playable on PS5. And it reminded me that Amplitude on PS4 is is the most overlooked game of the generation. Like that game is still <laughs> unbelievably fun to play. Uh, so everybody start playing Fortnite Festival, but then transition to playing Amplitude, Harmonix's best work, please. And don't they have some sort of, what, what sorry, what's the name of the remix Harmonix game? Oh, Drop Mix? Dro- like, I think they have some sort of Drop Mix-esque system in Fortnite as well. Oh, and that, really? like, literally while you're playing, like, the Battle Royale, this was something that, uh, Blake Hester went to like the event where they were showing this off and he said that he was doing like drop mix esque stuff and it's literally just like built into the battle royale like the emote system except you're doing this which I have no personal experience with but he was he was more excited about that than he was about the rock band stuff. Oh yeah so I guess Fuser is a better uh, reference point than than drop mix which is the card game that kind of preceded it but that that sounds interesting for sure but I, I am so curious to see where this goes. Uh, and Rocket Racing is from Psionics. It's a racing game. It's fun to see them try and make a Mario Kart within Fortnite. It, it seems cool. Yeah, but, but they I, don't have any bananas or green yeah, shells. It's, r- ju- it's just a racing game, and it's uh, it just needs some power-ups. It's fine. Yeah, I had the same take. Um, hey, Janet, speaking of rhythm games, let's keep this yeah. freaking trainer rolling. Uh, you were also playing Super Crazy Rhythm Castle? Yeah, what was in the water? Did we all start playing at the same time separately <laughs> from each other? I think like so. this co-op game. It is the time for Super Crazy Rhythm Castle. Yeah, we played it uh, during the Give to the Max stream a little bit, okay. and it was exactly as much fun as I was hoping for. So then I got some friends together, and we I played a little bit more. But this is the game. I talked about it um, when I went on that preview trip for Konami a little while ago. Konami published a good game, everybody, and no one paid attention to it, but you should. Super Crazy Rhythm Castle. It is a co-op rhythm adventure game. Um, that's very quirky and bizarre. Is it the best way to put it, Janet? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, it it has a little bit. It's it's basically kind of what I expected, honestly. Because it has a little bit of that medium molecule energy to it. Yeah, totally. But I will say it's it's not quite as good. I was like, if medium molecule, had, this is what you know. Yeah. It's it's really enjoyable though. Um, really, the only thing I don't like about it is um, the um unskippable cutscenes. You can like fast forward through them, but the fast forward. Is not that fast. Sure. And there's a lot of dialogue. And I do think parts of their dialogue are funny. Like they're kind of going for that cheeky drink box tone. But because there's so much of it, it makes me not want to read any of it. Yeah. So then yeah. It, so I wish they had like reined that in a bit. But what you're actually doing is like pretty fun. So what was what was y'all set up to begin with? How many people did you have? How yeah. did you guys manage 
what you guys were doing? Like, what was the setup? Yeah, so we had four players playing on PS5. Um, and so it is a fun thing where you're you're hitting beats, coming down a track, very harmonic style. But every level that you play will have some different twist on the formula. Like, okay, in this one, there's going to be uh, plants over, like growing over the arena. You need somebody to leave the note track behind and then spray some anti-plant juice on it to, to kill the plants and stuff. Or like, okay, in this one, there's a whole part of the room that you have to navigate to get to the next area, but you need to charge up kind of bombs and lasers in order to clear the path to get out of the room. And you need to charge those up by having people playing notes correctly. So it's just, it's a lot of fun, like in the room management of like, okay, now you do this over this and then I can, I'll do this over here and then you do this. And to have that in a music game like this is such a cool idea. Yeah, it's a little um, overcooked ask. Yeah, like it's totally. It's not quite as frantic, but it has a different layer of management that I really wasn't expecting. I also wasn't expecting the music to be so good. Where did they, who made this music? And what's the story there? Have you yeah. listened to that at all? Uh, so it's a lot of it's not original music as far as I can tell. And they have because it's a Konami game. It's very cool. They have songs from like DDR. Jacob, they have Vampire Killer in here from Castlevania. So like playing a rhythm game version of Vampire Killer, freaking rules. Um, but like, yeah, that early song, the Zig Zig Ziggle, Janet, are you with me? <laughs> that song is, every song that they go through is like, wait, is this song secretly uh, a hit, a quiet hit that I've never heard before? Because it all rules. Yeah. And they're, they're almost all like very specific to the level. Like there's one where you're collecting, like, again, it's sort of, uh, different teams doing different things. And I, I just played with one other person. So it was just like, you know, one of us would be on the rhythm section and then the other person had to like collect coins. And like the song was about like money. And I'm like, this yeah. song is a banger. Like, what are you talking totally. about? Like, I don't know. I was surprisingly into it. And um, in that level specifically, and kind of what I think is a little interesting about all of the rhythm levels is, well, yes, on a, when you pull back one layer, it is like, how good did you do at the rhythm game? Like, that is technically what you're being judged on. However, it's kind of hidden with um, the fact that it's your progress is tied to something different. So, for example, with the one where one person's on rhythm and then one person's collecting coins on the other side of the room. Yeah. To get three stars, it's based on how many coins you collect. And there are more coins available, the better the other person's playing the music. And if right. they mess up, there's like... This is like positive coins and like a minus one coin that you can that you're trying to avoid. Right. And I thought that was such a fun twist because technically it's not about like it is because, you know, they affect each other. But it's not about how well you play. It's about how well you do the task and how well you play affects the task you're doing, which I just thought was a fun twist on the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really with it. There's one really fun level. I think it's my favorite. And it just broke our brains. But you're playing this note track as it's coming down and then the note track starts spinning and so like everything's spinning and you're trying to keep in mind like, okay, this is this button over here, but now it's fully rotated this way and then it's spinning back this way. And it's like trying to play a Guitar Hero track as it's spinning around on a wacky wheel. It's like, this is really fun, weird stuff. Um, I, I'm totally with you. A uh, little too much talking. They have like kind of like adventure game elements in between. Like, oh, solve the puzzle to get through. And some of that's like, we were sober and it was still like, confusingly obtuse at times and then also yeah. the tracks do start repeating at a certain point because it's a lot of like but it's a lot All of like right. oh we have this kind of offshoot mode where you can kind of fight each other and do this over here and right, that's where right. they're repeating a lot of the tracks and stuff uh so it kind of lost us by the end of the session but it's still like 
you can't say Konami isn't releasing cool stuff anymore because by God, in this year, they've released Super Crazy Rhythm Castle and we should celebrate their new original stuff because it's freaking cool. Yeah, it was super solid. Um, I think the last thing I do want to point out is, well, one, this reminded me that I'm so freaking terrible at rhythm games. I have no rhythm, just anxiety and stress (laughs) and bad timing. Like, I am... I'm like, how am I even playing any of like the piano songs I've played so far? Because I have no sense of time. Um, but why I bring that up, besides to be honest about how bad I am at this gameplay, is that they have um, difficult difficulty settings, and they allow you to select difficulty like per person. Which I don't know how exactly that works when it's like more of a shared track, but like yeah, you can have situations where like I could have like a three note because it's just different amounts of notes, like a three note versus like my partner could have like a four note. And they just have different levels for that, which I thought was a cool kind of take on it. So that it's yeah. like, okay, well, I don't want to just drag us down with like my, you know, like we can only split up in so many scenarios. So yeah, so they have like I multiple. Like that inclusion as well. It's super smart. Yeah, they have like multiple tracks. They just kind of work it into yeah. the stage of like, okay, here's okay, the cool. four or five note track and here's the other smaller note track and all that stuff. But yeah, it's cool. Uh, super Crazy Rhythm Castle. Check it out uh, if you want a co-op rhythm game. Um, speaking of music, let's keep this train rolling. A Highland song also came Ooh. out. Um, Jacob and Janet and I mm-hmm. have been playing it. Um, sweet. Uh, Jacob, you seem the hottest on this thing. What do you think about a Highland song? What is this? Uh, yeah, so it's a, um, it is a 2D exploration game, kind of in the style of Breath of the Wild. <laughs> oh. Which is, you know, it's, it's hard to, to transfer uh, dimensions, but like... I, the real the real pitch of it is it's a it's a game about exploring the Scottish Highlands like that's uh, that is that is kind of the soul of the game. Um, and as someone who has a humble brag, explored the Scottish Highlands, uh, I've like hiked, hiked around the hills <laughs> and whatever it like it is really delightful in like how it captures that because you play a little girl or like a probably like 15, 16 uh, year old girl who's kind of running away from home and is kind of just like, I'm going on an adventure and you've, you know, you've kind of heard something from your uncle or whatever, but like, it's, it's just this very big open world. And even though it's 2d, it kind of has layers that you're like going forward and backward through. And so there is a surprising amount of actual exploration and you're like finding maps and finding hidden paths with those maps and and the whole the art style is just beautiful and sometimes you enter a rhythm game section where you're just running along the hills and it's playing this like beautiful kind of fiddle music and stuff and so it's it's like if you're if you're kind of a scotland head uh which i am <laughs> like this, this is really it's a it's a high watermark for games about scotland yeah, Scottish stands are eating today. With oh this one. man! <laughs> yeah, it kind of the music rhythm stuff. It feels a little bit like a Rayman Legends level or something. But imagine just a yeah. beautiful Scottish version of one of those stages. But yeah, it definitely. I thought it was going to be artsy fartsy cutesy game, but it's like, oh, there's more systems here than I expected. Just mm-hmm. like trying to map out your path, trying to find those specific spots, and like there's like what a hunger or a health meter. Like there's just yeah. there's a surprising amount going on uh, for a game that I thought was going to be a cute little you know uh, walking simulator type thing. Yeah, there's always weather conditions to like account for yeah. as well. And like there's um the passage of time, which I'm not sure yet. And feel free to chime in if y'all know, like, is there a set fail condition? Because you need to like get to your uncle in like a certain amount of days. So like, can I fail the game and have to 
then restart the whole game? Like, can anyone speak to that a little bit? I'm I'm not sure what happens if you don't make it, but there is. I do think <laughs> so one scary. of the more I do think one of the more interesting things about the game is like, yeah, it has this like pretty hard time limit that it tells you where it's like you got five days to to do this. And so there's this interesting push and pull between like, I want to explore, but also like, I'm worried I'm not going to make it. And then when I beat the game and I did it in like exactly five days, like I got there on like the morning that the time was going to run out. It said like, hey, now play it again. You'll remember where all the maps are. See how fast you can get there. Huh. I'm curious to see how fast that would be. Yeah, because it's interesting as you start out, she has a line where she's embarking on her adventure and she's like, I think this will take about three hours. It, was a weird yeah, game. it does. That's interesting. That's, like, oh, it's weird for a game. To, yeah, weird for a game to like call out the how long to beat at the start of the game. <laughs> I think every game should start that yeah. way. Like, have Ellie look dead in the camera and be like, longer than you think. <laughs> John Marston says, I think this will take about 130 hours. Get ready for that epilogue. It sounds small, but it's big. All right. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. This is the only video game protagonist I've ever actually cared about hurting. Hurting. Like, that's okay. like, you have fall damage in this <laughs> yeah. game. Like at one point, this girl, she's like, "Oh man, I think I twisted my ankle." And I like the like because I really just don't. I mean, I connect with games obviously, but just not on that like level of empathy for the physicality of like, "Oh, you're adventuring." Like whatever. Like something about the art combined with like the playful font and then the sound design. I'm just like, I'm so concerned for her, and I think that's really <laughs> fun and leans into the survival element of it. Yeah, yeah, it's like when um, you fall off a boulder, yeah. you feel it. It like you it really up. feels like it like hurts, and yeah. and you don't you know it's it's not like you see her broken wrist or whatever, <laughs> but she just says kind of like ah, oh, wish wish I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. I think too. I, I like that. Um, I don't know the proper way to say this. That there kind of is like a, an aspect of uh, Scottish dialect to like the way the characters speak. Which I think is really cool. Um, I feel like they really commit to like the cultural aspects of like what they're exploring with this title. Yeah. And then the thing I want to shout out, uh, well, one Haley in the chat says, "Did the time limit feel too stressful?" I would say no. I think it just added a layer of dimension that helped to me. That helped me contextualize what decisions I was making. I think in general, you know, systems and structures in a game are meant to facilitate the fun enjoyment or experience of that game. And to me, the time limit gives me something to base my strategies on and i like that aspect of it um but yeah i think the last thing i just want to mention is that at the risk of sounding like this is trying to be seo fuel the dna of this game that i feel is oregon trail with like the random things that can happen breath of the wild with the exploring vistas oxen free with the just diorama kind of zoomed out look of Mm. it and life is strange with the art of the paper maps you find so it kind of blends all these different interesting facets to make something that feels really distinctive and and kind of doing its own thing none of those no games worries. have a character that swears as charmingly as in this game <laughs> no absolutely so yeah there's like a little deer you can like run and chase like there's um i don't know if i'm gonna turn into like a hardcore stand for this game That's i enjoyed it fine i'd like to finish it but a lot of people that have played through it are like oh this is one of the best things i've played this year i think at the very least if what you've heard from us intrigues you you definitely should check it out because it's not quite like anything i've experienced yeah, Jacob, I'm trying to get a sense of that. I mean, this is a cool game, a Highland song, but is it a level of like, oh, this is this is a must play for 2023? This would it would definitely be on my second 10, <laughs> okay, you know, perfect. like yeah, of okay. this Got year. It. And I do think, you know, I, I, I think really it is 
it's kind of like it's the thing that I want from an indie game, which is just like a really specific perspective all the way throughout. You know, that it's like the the best part of this game is not specifically the exploration or the art style or whatever, but just like this is made by someone who like knows what the game is about the game being like exploring the scottish highlands and you just kind of feel it and like that doesn't necessarily happen when you have a game made by 200 people and so like it's uh it it is just kind of uh delightful more than it is like a good game you know in in a mechanical sense yeah uh a highland song but uh inkle is the developer there and it's out on steam and switch at the moment um, let's see, Jeff, you got to call it where we're going. We're at a branching path. Do you want to talk about another indie game or a big twist on a big game? Choose wisely, please. Oh, now I'm excited about a big twist on a big game. All right. Sorry, indie game. We'll never talk about you now. Let's talk about the only thing that matters. Resident Evil 4 VR mode, baby. This is Resident Evil 4's second attempt at a VR mode. This is a PSVR 2 exclusive. Yes. That's right. And just to set this up with as much gravitas as we can, this is the reason I shipped MinMax's PSVR 2 to Jacob Geller, and he's held on to it for what feels like a lifetime, saying, just wait, when I hit this rainbow at the end of the journey, which is known as Resident Evil 4 VR on PSVR 2, everything's going to be worth it. And you played it, and... Ben, I... I plugged in the PSVR 2, I played three hours of this game, and then I put the PSVR 2 back in the box. You didn't, even, like, you didn't okay, even like time. <laughs> wait, you're time to send this back to Ben. You're not even gonna like go check out humanity, your beloved humanity in VR or anything. Oh, that's on that's VR uh, PC. I oh. can like I can do that otherwise. There aren't that many exclusives. Okay, um, this is surprising because you're a Resident Evil 4 fan number one, and you liked the Oculus VR mode, right? I loved the Oculus one, and one of the most surprising things about this is like the. Uh, the the Resident Evil 4 VR version that is exclusive to Oculus, I think, is more fun than the Resident Evil 4 remake uh, that is exclusive to PSVR 2. How? I I think it is. <laughs> it's it's one of those it's one of those graphics things where it's like the art style and and the kind of like the detail of remake is so high fidelity that things. They don't feel as like like in in the Oculus Quest version of Resident Evil 4, it feels like you are holding like a very solid chunk of pixels where it's like this pistol is like not that many polygons, but like I've got it. It's rock solid. Everything is rock solid. And in the VR2 one, it's like things are so your character has arms and arms don't really work. And like just okay. the, the detail of everything and the kind of like visual noise that you're looking at is kind of so intense that I just like it 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 was a little harder for me to like the game just doesn't feel as good like it's one of those VR things that's really hard to describe but like it just does not feel as solid of a kind of like connection between your body and the things that you were acting out in the game that's weird but like you know making it feel maybe less arcadey by being more realistic isn't that made up for by feeling more immersed in the world if the environments are looking that much better but i i don't think they do necessarily because it's i mean they do like 
they are certainly higher fidelity. There's that weird thing where, like, when they're trying to fit Resident Evil 4 Remake onto VR, the kind of different graphical setbacks that they have to do means there's, like, there's a lot of, like, aliasing in the image. It it gets into these weird nitty-gritty things where it's, like, things look high detail but also blurry because I think they're being rendered at, like, a lower resolution than the game was originally designed for, whereas in... OG Resident Evil 4 VR, a game made for the GameCube, things can be rendered at like exactly the scale or even higher than they were intended for. Huh. Even if that's like low. And so it's you know, and it's like I don't I don't expect this one will be everyone's experience and I do still think it's solid, but for some reason I just found this like way less interesting than the uh than the OG one. I wonder if for people who'd never played the the meta version of it, I mean, uh, do you think could you ever I, envision I what your take could have, have been? A, I think they'll still have a great time. You know, I I don't I don't think that this version is is fundamentally flawed, um, except for aiming through scopes, which is for some reason completely broken. But like, you can do a lot of the same cool stuff that you could do in the other VR version, uh, like. Hold a pistol and your knife at the same time is something that you can do in this game. And because Remake has the parry mechanic, you you parry by literally just swinging your knife at the same time as someone's attacking you, which feels great. Like, it feels really, really good to do that. And the like, there's kind of, you know, there's a stealth system in Resident Evil 4 now. And so to do that you actually have to, like, sneak up on someone and, like, stab down uh, with your knife to to perform the stealth kill. And so it's, like, it's very it's very solid uh, in what it is. And I think if you're looking for Resident Evil 4 Remake in VR, this will do you. But it just, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I can't really explain why it just didn't click for me. That's interesting. Yeah, people in the backstage, pat, uh, backstage pass chat are... Stunned by your take, Jacob. Not what they expected, they say. Uh, well, now, I guess you're just a hater for all of Resident Evil 4. Um, your yeah, streak has ended. Both, yeah. I think that's Both of my favorite yeah. things. Wow, weird. Uh, all right. Uh, last game review of 2023. Not counting any of our discussions during the Game of the Year debates, which might count as a, a review, uh, a small review discussion. But Chance of Sonar. By Rundisk is the name of the developer. Um, this is one that I've been meaning now for about two months. Like, I gotta go play Chance of Snar. The people that love it really love it. Janet, this is uh, the game where you are deciphering a language, and yeah. it's a puzzle based on that. Is that the best way to put it? Yeah, I think so. It's a language-based puzzle game. There's a... Spoilers. Light spoilers for the game. There's more than one language. Like, there's kind of different areas that have their own languages, and you're collecting them in your little book but yeah this uh i love this game uh full disclosure i haven't beaten it yet so no you know, who's who's to say but like i kind of already see how it unfolds so i feel pretty confident i think this is my puzzle game of the year oh interesting um, which is a tall order because there's a lot of good puzzle it's games a good year like, humanity is awesome you know who doesn't like finding the goldies right like it's just a good time cocoon it's like you're a bug in a messed up little world. And it's, it, there's so much fun to be had in puzzle games this yeah, year. Viewfinder's but I think this awesome. Is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this is the first puzzle game of the kind of collection of hits that I've played where I just feel like 
I don't know, I'm really uncovering something. Like, it's just really exciting. I mean, a, a lot of people have compared this game to um, Return of the Obra Dinn, which I think yeah. is a little bit, it's it's misleading in the mechanics, but it's not misleading in the feeling. Like, I think what people love about Return of the Obra Dinn is that the deduction through an examination of one's environment, and you get that in Chance of Sonar, um, you know, to kind of set the scene for what you're doing moment to moment in the game. Essentially, you're like, you know, one of the first puzzles you get, like the very first one is you see two glyphs and it's a lever. And when you hit the lever, the door opens or you hit it again and it closes. And you, the gameplay is essentially you have your notebook and you get to write out what you think a glyph is. So, you know, it could be either open or close or up and down. Like you just write down whatever you think it is. Um, in that sense, like, you know, maybe you want to play it PC for the keyboard, but frankly, you write so such short words that I didn't mind typing them into my controller. Sure. I played on uh, PS5. Um, so you make that guess. And then at a certain point, the game has built-in checks for the language. So later on in the game, you'll see a picture of a door open, a picture of a door closed, and then you have to assign the glyphs you have to an image. And only when you get it right, does it crystallize? And then it kind of locks in. Okay, this is what open is. This is what close is. And the same goes for lots of other um words or phrases within the game so you are figuring it out but there are aspects of railings to help you make sure that you know what you're talking about and basically you need to understand the language to understand aspects of what you need to do in the game so it's interesting because you can kind of keep moving through areas without knowing what anyone's saying but there are certain moments where it is really relevant to know where someone's saying like there's um a puzzle i really loved in the second area was um, you end up getting, like, instructions on something that you need to do. You're kind of, like, trying to blend in with, like, the people. So it's like, okay, you have to do the right things. And they tell you what to do. And if you know the language, you're like, yeah, they're saying to, like, give me an apple and then give me a banana. But if you don't know the language, you won't know. There's, like, a bunch of fruit there, and you're, you won't know which one to pick, and then you won't be able to progress in that sense. But huh. it's this fun, like loop around what i think it's also really cool because it super leans into um everyone can kind of play their own way into their own strengths because there's things that like i got stuck on that i've seen other people fly through there's things that i clocked immediately that other people are like i don't get what this is trying to say and it's like it's it's such an exciting game to play and then watch other people play for that reason but yeah i think it's it's just super cool and allows for you to i think a lot of puzzle games to avoid you getting stuck they do the cocoon thing, right? It's like, hey, it's in this room. Figure it out. Let's right. put a little, close the door so they, their dumbass doesn't leave, you know? It's like, <laughs> which is cool. Like, I think that's very smart, and I yeah. love the cocoon does that. Chance Sonar does the opposite. They're like, oh, you're stuck? Well, keep walking. You're going you're gonna to piece it together eventually. And obviously, you know, with the checks, there is a degree to which you can guess your way into, into some answers, but I would argue not all. And then also... Hey, if you want to do that, sure, go ahead. You know, like it's your game and how you want to experience, I think, solving and, and deducing the world. But um, yeah, it's so also the art's beautiful. Yeah, so yeah, we game. should focus on that a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, it almost looks a little bit like Sable's art direction, mm -hmm. but not quite. Oh, not the weird frame rate. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Which uh, is a purposeful choice they made, but you know, it's, yeah. it's that, it's Roller Drome. It's, it's um, also, I think, with the kind of. Um, I forget the name for this perspective, but um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of, actually, I don't know if it reminds me of that game. Like, I, I'm not sure. It kind of has this zoomed out 
almost like diorama kind of look to it. Yeah, isometric style thing, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of isometric in that sense. It has a lot of like panned out, like sweeping vistas too, in a way. Like it's just a beautiful looking game. Yeah. Chance of Sonar, S-E-N-N-A-A-R. There's a free demo, uh, people are telling us, the Backstage Pass chat. Um, And it's available on, on every console too, if you want to check it out. But Good to get it in. Thank you for playing it, Janet. Uh, I'm bringing I, I, it. I'm bringing it to the 210. So. I know. We've had that gap for a while, so thanks for filling it. Um, <laughs> hey. Uh, yeah, we Je- haven't had enough games for the 210s. That's been the problem. <laughs> if only year. some games came out this year. Uh, Jeff, I'm speaking of filling gaps. Do you know how you can fill a gap in your cold, dead heart? No, just... Just go to whatever the next segue is. Okay, it's uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash minmax, everybody, with two N's. That's how you can make this whole thing operate. Uh, jump in there, find the tier that's right for you. You can help keep us sustainable as long as you find a tier that is sustainable for you. You don't become our best friends if you jump up to the $50 tier. Uh, so find the tier that's comfortable for you, and that helps us plan things out in our future uh but thank you to some of our biggest supporters thank you to factor oh factor meals easy microwavable lovely jeff i feel like holiday season you want to go all out and impress everybody and have a feast right that's that's number one goal for a holiday of course but when you're not doing that you want to phone it in and you want to have the easiest meal possible because you're saving all of your energy for the big holiday feast. So when you want to phone it in, phone a phone call to factor everybody and order some of their pre-packaged meals. Uh, They want you to know that you can treat yourself to high quality, delicious meals over the holidays. Choose from 35 plus chef crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie smart, vegan and veggie, protein plus and more wholesome options two minutes in a microwave they will taste good look i didn't even ask them to do this genuinely in the minmax discord maniac from the minmax community he just posted in the general channel the other day he said uh i did factor for a couple weeks using the minmax referral code pretty good honestly for pre-made meals Community review. There you go. Unprompted. What Pretty more do you want? Good, honestly. <laughs> that was my take as well. Better than you think. Uh, so you can head to factormeals.com slash minmax50 and use code minmax50 to get 50% off. That's code minmax50 at factormeals.com slash minmax50 to get 50% off. Um, Janet, you know how it's tough to like plan big projects as a group and to track all of your notes and documents and all that stuff? I'm familiar. And it's like, okay, we have Slack. That's fine. We have Janet's Google Calendar, as we've renamed it to. And that's fine for some things. But sometimes you just want one place where you can work together as a group to plan stuff out. And that's where Notion comes in, everybody. If you have a big project you want to work on together, check out Notion. Uh, You can just put all of your documents in there. And the nice thing is you can search through all of them easily. It's a nice shareable workspace. If you also think Slack just completely sucks sometimes, check out Notion. Uh, And they want you to know that Notion AI can now give you instant answers to your questions using information from across your wiki, projects, documents, and meeting notes. You can try Notion AI for free when you go to notion.com slash minmax. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash minmax to try the powerful, easy-to-use Notion AI. And when you use the link, you're supporting minmax there. So notion.com slash minmax. Check it out for your project management needs. Speaking of needs, 
Janet, you know how sometimes when you have a lot of shipping to do and you need like uh, the obviously correct choice of what you should do to ship out all these things? You know that situation? Yeah, I've been there before. Okay. And then you know how stamps.com rides in on a white horse and saves you and the day? Hell yeah, who else is going to do it? Who else is going to do it? That's right. It's clearly the obvious choice if you're doing a lot of shipping, say for charity auction prizes. You would regret not using Stamps.com, so I'm trying to convey to you. For over 25 years, Stamps.com has been around, and with Stamps.com, all you need is a computer and a printer. They even send you a free scale. You can weigh whatever you want on it. So you'll have everything you need to get started. Uh, and taking care of orders on the go is even easier now. They want you to know with Stamps.com's mobile app. And please, just add Stamps.com to your Christmas wish list. Make things convenient for you if you have some shipping to do in the next year, and I bet you do. So give your business the gift of Stamps.com so your mailing and shipping is covered this holiday season. Sign up with the promo code MINMAX for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code MINMAX. Jeff, are you bored? No. You better not be, because we're talking about I Am 8-Bit, baby. Uh, Sweet. Day of the Devs. Janet went to it. By God, we talked about it on Party Chat, our bonus podcast. Um, Janet, I know they're paying us to talk about it right now, but uh, scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the event for Day of the Devs? Um, I don't... I wish you didn't ask me this, because it's just such a weird <laughs> setup. It'll seem like I'm lying either way. Yep. Um, I would say it's an 8. I mean, I honestly had a really good time, but who would believe me with that setup? That's true. 8s in honor of the bits. Uh, Day of the Devs, you can check out the archive of their stream where they announced a ton of games. And again, you can help support I'm8bit because they have supported MinMax in a huge way since nearly the start of this whole operation uh, by shipping out a prize to a MinMax community member for submitting a great question over there on Patreon. So help them out. If you have some holiday shopping, you need to get in for a dork in your life. There's no better place than iMateBit's wonderful online store. Find something fun in there. They have a ton of vinyl soundtracks. If you don't have that, they have a bunch of physical editions that aren't available anywhere else for stuff like Untitled Goose Game or Stray. Huge games, iMateBit exclusive editions. Check out their wonderful online store. And you can use the promo code More Sleigh Bells, More Sleigh Bells, for 10% off of everything under $100. And. Thanks to i8bit for shipping out a prize to whoever has the best question from the community this week for community questions. Submit over there on Patreon. It's the last round of community questions for the year, so we need to look alive for this one. Uh, the prize is Joystick Jazz. The Blue Shift Big Band plays iconic video game hits vinyl soundtrack. Uh, it seems quite cool, so i8bit will be shipping that out to a member of the community. Speaking of member of the community... Jacob, you've been on a lot recently, and we worship you. We worship at the altar of Jacob Geller, um, but we need to make room for a community member. So would you mind clapping on out of here, dude? So long. Haley DeBoom, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, unbelievable to have you. You are a member of the community who were, you were watching the Give to the Max charity stream, and then you said, you know what, I'm going to donate to help foster kids in Minneapolis, and I'm going to worm my way in the most positive and welcome way possible onto the Min Max show. If you're, if you're going to say it positively, don't use the word worm. Um, that's Caterpillar? Cute caterpillar your way onto yeah. the show? I guess. Uh, hey, what, what was your experience? You were watching the show. Did you know going into it that you wanted to donate to be on the podcast? I remember previous uh, previous uh, charity streams had had it as an option, yeah. um, but I was in no way financially able to do so. Uh, so this year came around and I was like checking my bank account and I was like, wait a minute, that w- might actually work. Um, <laughs> but then I spent the whole day, I was out and about, some friends had come into town 
Uh, and uh, I was like, oh, someone's going to do it by the time I get back. And I came back like halfway through the stream and it was still available. So I jumped, jumped in and yeah, now I'm here. Very, very so thrilled and happy to be able to, uh, to participate. That's so sweet. Round of applause for Haley, everybody. That's awesome. Uh, Haley, this is Janet. Hello. Hi, Janet. Uh, Haley, this is Jeff. Um, Hi, Haley. Haley, I'm Ben. Um, how did you find MinMax? What's what's your origin story with this whole outlet? Good golly. So um, let's see. I started watching uh, Replay, Super Replay, Game oh, of wow. way, way back in the day. Um, I think probably the first like Super Replay I was like concurrently watching was Tales of the Sun or Tale of the Sun. <laughs> yeah, Tales of the Sun. Uh, yep. With the whole drama with uh, with Dan and I think Joe Rick Juba. Rick Flair. Like, the, yes. Yeah, 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 oh yeah, my really God. going back there. Rest yeah. in peace. A legend. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I started watching that uh, show, watching Replay, Super Replay. Of course, all of the Game Informer things had happened. Uh, MinMax appeared and I joined, I think, relatively close to uh, MinMax starting up. Uh, so yeah, just been watching very lurker, silent, no comments, no messages, just watching I, always in the back. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird thing to try and keep in mind, um, on this side of things is like there, we get so used to the, you know, hundred or so people that are very active in the community and seeing those names again and again and again. And you look at the numbers and it's like, there are thousands and thousands of people that are probably as quote unquote committed, which is a gross thing to say about an outlet, but who are like just as engaged, but they're just like, I just don't want to talk on Twitter. I don't want to jump in the discord. You know? So thank you for representing every silent fan out there. Haley, you just have all their weight on your shoulders. If that's okay. Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> now I have to talk. So yeah, oh, piece of that's the thing. You you're, you're no longer the silent fan. So yeah. <laughs> thank you for your time up until this point. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. sorry. I, now, I lay no, in we need, the towel. We need a new yeah. person. On yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Aging Poorly, a name that we do know well, uh, jumped in to submit a question. So, uh, by the way, Haley, your number one job beyond anything else, and you're welcome just to sit back and focus on this number one job the whole time if you want to, okay. is you just have to remember the number one best question, whichever question makes the show better, and then that person's going to get a prize from IMA8Bet. Cool. Okay, yeah. here we go. Uh, Aging Poorly writes in to say, hey, Ben and Cohorts, uh, but sorry, uh, this week is all about Da Boom. I'm sorry. Your, your last name really is Da Boom? It really is the boom. Yep, it's Dutch. Um, name I had at birth. It's not very common, and we found relatives way back in um, the Netherlands that still have that name too, and connected, and we're the actual same family. Uh, and yeah, that yeah, is the boom. The boom is it. Yeah. I'm sorry you have to talk about this every day of your life, oh. but it's <laughs> the best possible name. Isn't Keanu Reeves' character in Toy Story Four? What is his name? It isn't his name like Duke Kaboom. Has no one brought this up to you? <laughs> no, I've not heard you. I've gotten a lot, but I have not gotten to Kaboom. Oh, my God. Uh, no, it's a great icebreaker. You don't have to try it all. You just say, hi, Haley Kaboom. And everyone's like, what? And you're like, perfect. Don't have to bring up any oh other my fact. God, I'm jealous. Um, yeah. So. Uh, okay, anyways, uh, they say this week is all about Kaboom. Uh, Haley, this is too specific, and so you can dodge this one if you want to. What's your favorite MinMax clip or new show plus moment or moment from the podcast or episode? Okay. okay. This is this is. I mean, I hate to say it, but you've made too much good content. Like uh, just straight sweet. up. Like it's. <laughs> I I may or may not have seen this question in advance, and I was like legit like going through just like like <laughs> playlists and streams. I was like, I gotta find gotta find the the best bit that sticks out. Thanks to Janet on TikTok. I was like speed flipping through those, like trying to find stuff. <laughs> um, and definitely a bunch of stuff comes to mind. Um, I'm going to mess all the quotes up, but one of my favorites was when Leo and Dan did the uh, drive-through 
like oh challenge or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Dan made Leo say like, boy, howdy. I got, I love my little beanies. <laughs> and just like the fact that that's a real life thing that someone had to say uh, was just really hilarious. Yeah. He um, had to say that. Yeah. So he had to, the whole pitch was, and Jeff, you were on this episode. I was just watching, but yeah, Dan Reichert was making Leo go through a Taco Bell drive through order like five orders of black beans and then say, boy, howdy, am I looking forward to those beanies? And the the catch was Dan said, you need to say it in a way that's not obnoxious. You need to be as sincere as possible. And it was, it was truly a 10 out of 10 performance from Leo. Like it, it did not feel grotesque or obnoxious. It felt like he's genuinely a man excited to eat just a bowl full of black beans from Taco Bell. Yep. That poor cashier was like, this happens all the time. It's like, yeah. It was a disaster. Uh, oh, and then Aging Poorly says, uh, Haley, if you could pick one game for the cohorts to mandatorily play and stream every month with or without you, what would it be? Um, oh, gosh, this is probably super like cliche. This isn't for the numbers or whatever, but anytime you guys do a Jackbox stream, Ooh. it's always really fun to watch. And if you made it like a monthly thing. A plus. Um, otherwise, yeah, other kind of games. Genuinely, one of my favorite things about MinMax is that every week with the new show plus, you know, if you you can vote if you're on Patreon. Wow. Um, you're plugging always, our Patreon, Haley? Good Lord. I got it. Getting in there. Get them, <laughs> get them numbers up. No, but um, is it's always something that I never knew I wanted to watch. Like at least two of the options. And I'm like, you know what? I could have come up with something basic like Jackbox or here we go. Here's some game I never heard of or here's gingerbread houses or whatever. Um, so yeah. 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 Nothing real specific, but that's fun. Yeah. I think, um, I always feel lazy every once in a while for the new show plus options where it's like, okay, we kind of want to play this game, but we know nobody's going to vote for it. So how do we like come up with the laziest twist to maybe make it more? I always think of, I wanted to play Orcs must die three, so I think the name of the show was Orcs and Beans, and it was going to be, ironically, or connecting to the previous conversation, just me eating a bunch of beans while playing Orcs Must Die, and still people would not vote for it. I don't know what we have to do, <laughs> Janet, to get people to vote for stuff if it's not eating a bunch of beans while playing it. But It's weird, because sometimes like people are really into the beans, and then sometimes they're not. So, right. You know, Pick a lane, Such internet. goes content. <laughs> Come on. Uh, okay, but do you have a favorite game, Haley? Like, if we had to stream something other than Jackbox, that would be, like, your favorite game of all time. Favorite game? Well... <laughs> I would say, unfortunately, but I still stand by it. I'm a huge like JRPG fan, which they don't stream well. Um, yeah. But streaming wise, good golly, um, like any any sort of game that like generates conversation outside of the game. So like games that I find fun to play are like Overcooked and Overcooked Two, things mm. like that. But sometimes, depending on who's playing it, you get way too into it, and you're not actually like having a moment to have bits or comp- converse at all. Right. Um, so I guess depending on like basically like whatever I hate to say it, whatever would ha- be the most fun for folks to play together in person. I think that would be a big caveat. The in-person stuff, I think, really pops off. And uh, yeah, 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 I'm with yeah. you. I mean, we're talking about it a little bit on party chat this week, but it is such a weird thing to try and plan out like 25 hours of a charity stream and which games to play. And like, how do you make sure that the games you choose to play will create some fun dynamic and that we don't just get locked in on focusing on the gameplay. Like it's, it's tough. And that's why I think Jackbox is obviously a great choice, but like it, especially it's just weird to think of if you really want to be gross about it and zoom in, like how do you structure a charity stream and the games you're playing on the charity stream to create and foster new potential inside jokes, which would then lead to donations and make people donate 50 bucks for those wishes for the genie to make happen. Like it's, 
Jeff, how do you choose a game that would create the most inside jokes amongst the people playing it in the same room? That is the question, right? That is the question. And the answer is... Have a bug fall out of a box. Have a bug fall out of a box. Or 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 box. There we go. Uh, Let's see. Alexander uh, Haddox writes in. They say, why do people like to make game of the year lists? Are they even necessary? This is offensive to everything we do, Alexander. Please. (laughs) This is my culture. Um, (laughs) How dare you? Um, I think it's fun to compartmentalize things. I mean, I think labeling things as much as like labels are inherently limiting, it's how we deduce meaning from the world around us. So I think context, like thinking about the year, it's easiest to do it in some type of list format. Even if you want to make the list, you know, silly accolades or a top 10 or our, you know, the two tens or round rock, like however you want to go about it, it kind of, I don't know. It's almost like a little celebration, a little bookend yeah. or reflection. It's a lot of things. And I think it invites, um, a more specific conversation because kind of like I mentioned earlier in the main show with gameplay constrictions, like it's meant the rules are meant to facilitate the fun. And I think lists are that for conversations. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great way of looking at it. I mean, you could be simplistic and just say, we're trying to make order and the chaos that is life, but it's also like, it's, it's just fun to look back to, to be like, okay, 2012, what was my sixth favorite game of the year? You know, it's fun just to have some nice, I don't know. It's a, it's a trophy on the shelf that you completed this year in gaming, you know, as long as and, you don't take it too I, seriously. I think part of it for us, like making content out of it as well. Like I enjoy when we fight about the lists or whatever, and where does a game go? But, but a big part of like the end of the year conversations that I like are just the shout outs that people do to like the honorable mentions. Yeah. Just like it's a chance to bring up a game. It's probably not going to make the list, but I had a special moment with it and we can talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. That's nice. Uh, by the way, for future reference, in case anyone's uh, taking notes or writing the book about it, um, in 2012, my number six game was apparently Hero Academy, which was that mobile game from Robot Entertainment, but it was surprisingly good. The Also developers of Orcs Must Die, which connects to the Beans, which connects to Taco beans. Bell and Dan Reichert and Leo Vader. It's perfect. Uh, but yeah, for Game of the Year stuff, uh, if we didn't outline it last week, that is going to be the next three weeks of MinMax content here for the main podcast feed. So we will not be skipping a week. Uh, next week are going to be the MinMax Awards, the biggest of the big episodes. It's going to be a huge one. It's going to be a huge crew of us uh, talking about the best thing, dumbest thing, biggest news, best character, best moment. Uh, greatest work of art of all time for 2023. I forget if I missed one in there. Um, and then the week after that's going to be the first half of the two tens debate, us coming up with some would say the top 20 games of the year, but some of us would also say two tens. And then January 4th is going to be the finale for that discussion. So look forward to that, everybody. But as we mentioned before, if you jump up to that backstage pass tier, you can watch it all live or watch the archive and you'll get to see the results three weeks ahead of everybody else if you're interested in that type of thing. Just don't spoil it for anybody. Um, Travis and Fargo asks, what's something you prefer to buy the cheap version of? On the flip side, what's something you think is, the, is best to buy the expensive version of? Diabolical, Travis. I don't know if the cheap is best is the thing but i usually go um generic for like store brand for um like cooking sprays Ooh, that's good like, how perfect much is getting on the food anyway right you know? also right. i'm not gourmet chefing over there i'm kind of just trying to stay alive <laughs> in this economy um and then for expensive <laughs> it's tough i feel like 
it's gonna make me sound kind of bougie, but I feel like low key a lot of things like <laughs> because it's like maybe this you, is why you're you, struggling with the cooking spray. Yeah, I know. But when you buy like certain cheap things, I don't know. We all know that life where it's like this is gonna fall apart. Maybe like um you know, phone chargers, like cables. Like I don't cables. know, it's a freaking gamer answer. But I feel like things that I use regularly at this point in my life, clothes. I hate to admit it, but I'm like I can't do the things I used to do anymore now that I'm getting older, you know? I go so, to some of my favorite stores from when I was in high school and college, and I'm like, this, all, everything feels awful in here. <laughs> uh, Jeff, are you cheap uh, for everything across the board? No, that, I mean, that okay, sounds terrible. I'm not going to agree to that. I mean, you have that board game trend behind you, I feel like. Nothing cheap there, boy. For that. I don't yeah, know. yeah, you can't, you can't really buy off-brand ones for those. Um, I all, I don't, I don't care a ton about brands. Mo- when I go like to the pharmacy, I'll I'll take whatever Walgreens yeah. is knockoff Tylenol is or whatever those kind of things. But the the one thing that I learned on the for the flip side answer of that, um, I'll, I'm a I will always buy Huggies uh, for kids oh. because we 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 started with Huggies and then I tried one of the big you know like members club boxes from big from you know Sam's Club or whatever. And we we tried four diapers and three of them had leak throughs. And I was like, mm. I'm I'm done with this. We gave that box away because it was so bad, and we went straight back to Huggies because we got like a two percent leak through. You know about this, Hanson? Oh, Obviously, God, you're you're calculating leak throughs and all those kind of things. <laughs> We're at like two percent failure rate on Huggies. That's pretty um, good. And so they're they're worth it, man. So your kid isn't constantly just blasting through their diapers with no, every chance they no. get. Yeah, mine isn't either. Totally, totally. Uh, Haley, do you have thoughts on what to buy expensive versus cheap versions of? Gosh, I mean, I've been moving a lot, so I've been buying cheaper and cheaper furniture, um, like Wayfair and stuff like that. It looks great, and then when you put it together, you're like, there's nothing holding this up, but it looks okay. (laughs) Um, But expensive-wise, I go pretty hard for headphones, like any sort of sound stuff. Interesting. Good choice. Yeah, I have a pair of the Sony like WHMX4s or whatever, which is like still in the world of headphones, still not crazy. But if you can get one of those on sale or any sort of type like that, you just hear different sounds. You just hear more music, which feels like a good deal. So, yeah. yeah. Where I do mean, you land with, um, cause I'm sure you've explored all of like the options, like the, I know some people say like the AirPod maxes or like, uh, it's all aesthetic and no sound, you know, have you done the, do you, do you have, do you have different headphones for different functions in your life? Or are you rocking the Sony ones for like everything? I was going to say, I have like piles of headphones and earbuds just around <laughs> and it's starting to feel like a proximity thing. Like if I leave my room, those headphones just stay in there and I transfer yeah. to another place. But um, no, I recently um, actually got a new job and we have to use Apple products for everything. Um, and so I got the AirPods Pro 2, mm-hmm. not the not the you know big ones, but... Um, those have been surprisingly really nice. Um, and then I tried out my coworkers maxes and those, those are definitely on the like style over function. Yeah. Like they're really good. Like they, I think they have beats behind them or whatever. They're solid, but not for like five fifty or whatever they're asking for. Like yeah. that's sure. nah. Uh, but, you know. I don't mean to pry Haley, mm-hmm. but you're a guest. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll pry. Is that like a cello or something in the corner? What? Oh, yeah, that is, it's an upright bass. Upright bass? And you can play yeah. the hell out of it? Uh, I used, yeah, I used to really, really go hard. And now I just try to keep it up. 
Um, I'm trying to get back into an orchestra, COVID, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, I had to decide what side. I could either show the tip of the base or just an, like a terrible bookshelf. So <laughs> no, it's the correct um, choice. It's enough yeah. of a tease of like, it, you seem like a, an infinitely cooler person now that you can play the stand-up bass. That is the coolest instrument you could have chosen. Thanks. So good prop. Uh, even if it's just like one of those fake Zoom backgrounds, it looks awesome. So congratulations <laughs> on deceiving all yeah. of us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cole Crater writes in they say do you think you'll ever reach the level of happiness that Sam Lake did while dancing on the stage at the Game Awards uh, Jeff did you watch the Game Awards by chance I did I I skimmed th- I skimmed through parts of it but I definitely uh, stopped for that and yeah it, I it, when it when it started and it was just it like he wasn't out there yet I was like I don't know if I care about this. And then he came out and, and I was just like giant, you know, hearts <laughs> popping on my eyes. And, and it's something about that guy, man. Yeah. He's a real charmer. And like, I, it's interesting that I feel like I wasn't seeing happiness on his face. I was projecting fear, but I think that was just my own fear of that. Of having to do it. We're like, he can do it in a studio and put it in the game where he does a little dance number. It's all well and good. They can have multiple takes, but dancing when you're not a dancer in front of millions and millions of people, like maybe just the adrenaline's pumping so much that he couldn't help but smile. But I was just projecting a avalanche of terror onto that man. If, if, if you thought he was wondering, is this stupid when they were doing it for the game? Right. You, right. A hundred times more uh, when you're on stage. <laughs> next to Jeff Keighley, for sure. Um, so Cole, no, I don't think we'll ever reach that level of happiness. I don't think, although, Haley, I mean, if you're jamming away on the bass in front of a huge crowd, that's got to feel good. Yeah, we've had some good shows. Yeah. Um, but in terms of sheer, like, like it looked like you just took like an emoji smiley face on him. He just was <laughs> yeah. beaming. That's so, true. Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, Ken Houston writes in and says, uh, slightly related to the Game Awards talk from last week and uh, on Party Chat. Yeah, Janet and I talked about uh, Party Chat and kind of debated... Um, the success or failure of the latest episode and Janet talked about being there and all that stuff. So you can unlock that in the bonus podcast feed if you'd like. Um, but Ken says, will video games ever stop being embarrassed of themselves? Why does an industry and hobby enjoyed by millions feel the need to chase Hollywood even in 2023? Fair. I mean, do you think the game awards were embarrassed of video games? I don't think I had that vibe necessarily. No, and- when I read that question too, I thought of like Larian, just like going all out and and completely they they have like embraced their games, they've embraced their communities, they've embraced cosplaying. Like they they don't seem embarrassed of it. Like that that where I think it is true, and it it sometimes strikes me as like sometimes you'll see execs talking, you know, like, like at the publisher level or something like that, and it's in you can you can sometimes feel like you don't actually like this, do you? And, and you wish you probably worked at like, you know, some office supply (laughs) million billion dollar company in, in, and not video games. But like, I, I think we're, I think we're coming around the bend on that. I don't, I don't, I don't see as much embarrassment in it. I was going to say, I worked briefly at a couple game studios and I think there was this, there's this really interesting sense of like video games are so unique in that they fully are immersive stories and then to have to explain what you're doing in a video game sometimes is incredibly embarrassing like i was talking with some coworkers about uh baldur's gate 3 
And there's instance where if you wear, you're trying to knock someone out, but if your armor does poison damage or your weapon does poison damage, it'll knock them out and then kill them because of the way the damage is applied. So I was just talking to my coworker who also played Baldur's Gate about it. Um, and I was like, yeah, so everyone had to strip their armor off, no weapons. We were running around nude, knocking people out. <laughs> and then I had to take a moment and realize like, that's, that's embarrassing. Like that's a thing that you shouldn't necessarily be talking about in a workspace. Um, and it felt more personal because I was doing it. Like, of course I wasn't doing anything with my clothes while playing the game, but like there is that like more intimate connection. I feel like with video games that make people a little more hesitant, maybe to discuss like what they're doing or how they feel about it. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Part of it comes down to the audience too, I think, because like when I was talking about Larry and like, they're usually the videos that I've seen of them. They're usually talking to their own community and stuff. And maybe if it's, you know, the president is out at some kind of big business convention or something like that, that's not focused on video games. That's where you get those moments where it's like, what do you do? And it's like, Oh, yeah. oh yeah. you make video games. What, what, what's, what are your video games known for? Well, there's a bear and it all comes back to that. I no, thought, I mean, I, I think games will, I don't know if I'd say games are embarrassed of themselves necessarily, but I get what the question is getting at, where it's like this desperation for relevancy. And I I think that desperation will remain until it's relevant. And even though games are super popular, I mean, we saw like a big like influx of new gamers like during COVID or like during the the peak of the pandemic, rather. Um, You know, the Switch brought in a lot of new people. Like there's always people gaming. You know, we can have the debate on oh, there's more gamers than you think, because if you played Word, you know, like, right? But at the end of the day, gaming is still so young that that's where a lot of, a lot of gaming's problems are because it's young. Like, it's not out there long enough for people to respect our jobs. It's not out there enough for people to understand what our jobs are or even the platforms they take place in. And I think that's where the embarrassment comes from of having to explain what it is like i remember i wasn't embarrassed but the first time i had to explain what streaming was to somebody i was talking i was streaming from my dorm room and my roommate's like who are you talking to and i'm like this is gonna be a lot to explain you know what i mean it's like (laughs) oh the internet like right and it's just like i don't know um there's just so much of that like in mainstream media of have you is it is it pokemon Oh, Pokemon. Okay. Really? And you guys are still, it's still going strong. Wow. A lot of years. Look at these weirdos over here. Anyway, back to the actual thing versus other fandoms or expertise, music, game, you know, like not games, music, you know, movies, sports. That's known and understood. Like no one's going to think it's weird that you're doing like a red carpet presser. But if you're like, oh, I'm at E3, they're like, what's that? And it's like, you know what? Let's just walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Haley, are you able to talk about where you've worked in the game industry or your career in general? How off limits is all of that stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think I've signed more NDAs than like rental agreements, but okay. um, I I think we spoke very briefly. You do the like welcome message to everyone in the Patreon. Um, and I mentioned to you, I got my start out at uh, ILM working on like Marvel and uh, Jurassic Park movies and oh stuff. Oh my God. Um, yes, of course. Yes. Yes. And I was I was trying so hard to get you in there uh, to visit the, the, the studio in San Francisco um, before COVID and before right. all that jazz. But um, and just to be clear, stuff with, you don't work yeah. there anymore now? I Yeah. So I left uh, oh. right before the pandemic. Um, I, I mean, I still have folks that, that work there that would be more than happy. But if you work in media, you're not as likely to be able to be let in. So okay, I think okay. you, you're you suffering from success. I don't think you can maybe step <laughs> in anymore. But, Damn it. Um, 
And I will say a lot of the stuff has moved because George Lucas is trying to open his museum or whatever he's trying to do. So a lot of the cool stuff is like gone. Um, but uh, went from there, worked in Japan for a few years at Square Enix during uh, COVID, basically. Uh, oh, and then survived that barely and came back to the U.S. Worked at That's No Moon, a startup that they're doing something. Right, uh, right. And then got picked up by Apple to work on the Vision Pro. That's, so that's what I'm doing. incredible. Oh, Jeez, congratulations. Career. Can Thank you say you what you're much. working? It's, yeah. What are you, what are you working please. on at uh, Square Enix? Yeah. So we were doing, I it was all of my like background is in motion capture, performance capture, face, stuff like that. Um, and so at Square, we were doing uh, on their main stage in, in Tokyo, um, Final Fantasy 16, 7 Rebirth, I guess. Uh, 7 something. A lot of 7 stuff. <laughs> um some Hatsune Miku, she popped in. Um, and what's the other one I'm trying to think? Forspoken. That was Whoa. a big one that we were working on. Uh, and Forspoken was fun because that was a global effort. Like, I came back to work at That's No Moon, and like half the team there had been like, we just finished working on Forspoken. And I was like, <laughs> I was working on Forspoken. And we're all like, none of us played Forspoken. So um, that, was, <laughs> no. that was fun. That's but. wild. I mean, I thought that they did a lot of the 16 stuff outside of Japan for the for the capture, but there's still some performances and stuff that they got over there. Yeah, they they were really keen on, and I think they did this in promos and stuff, really keen on the whole, like, uh, Game of Thrones. Game right, of Thrones, but right. Final Fantasy. That was the internal memo across the board as well. Um, and so a lot of the stuff our stage was capturing, we were shooting, what, eight hours a day, you know, five days a week at least. Um, a lot of the supplemental animation um, and a lot of like into and out of cutscene anim. Um, and then, yeah. Oh, and also Dragon Quest Online, apparently. They need animation constantly. Somehow they're constantly needing new stuff. <sighs> okay. So, yeah, sure. just little like um, some cutscenes here and there. Um, yeah. So I mean, but fun. as an RPG nerd, I mean, that must have been absurd was, heaven to see the inside process was, a little bit like that, right? It was wild. I hate to say it, not a big fan of Square Enix games, but, <laughs> but, but honestly, that worked out for me because there was a lot of moments where, and especially with, with Final Fantasy specifically, if it wasn't seven, um, you don't know what it's supposed to be about, really. Mm. Um, and so I kept seeing loading in assets and I was like, whoever this Clive guy is, great, whatever, bring him in, see what he looks like. I'm like, okay, seems pretty edgy, very fun. Uh, and then, you know, not having the full context that, you know, there'll be a scene where they're crying over something and then that's it. Or, you know, you just only get little bits and pieces of, of what they're trying to finish. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was really, really fun. Um, and that was interesting cause I switched to more from my perspective, like more engineering stuff because my Japanese was okay, but you had to, you know, really be on the ball. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool to see how they do production in Japan versus, you know, in the U S do you want to host this podcast from here on out? I was just about to say, <laughs> like, you're so much more interesting than yeah. everybody else. Here. You live up to the no, last name. It's yeah, like, you kind of eat us up with this. You know what I mean? It's just like. No, nah, cramming, cramming a career into 10 minutes. Everyone sounds awesome. Yeah. No, no. no. A lot of us have been sitting humble. on our couches playing video games for a long time. I Trust me, it's really nothing. Because uh, you also, yeah, you worked on Fallen Kingdom, right? Yes, yes. And actually, I hate to say it. I didn't want to, like, bring props or whatever. But Shut I did up. find. When you work on shows at ILM, you get pins. So I found my Fallen Kingdom pin. Come on! Uh, which is just the logo, but if you can see, it says like ILM VFX on the bottom. That is um, awesome. And that was that was really fun. Um, I I came into ILM saying how much I love Jurassic Park. Um, I hadn't really engaged with Star Wars that much, um, and so they were like, "Yeah, we're going to be doing more of that." So 
you know, see what happens. Um, and actually, so a lot of the Fallen Kingdom stuff was done in London. Um, and so San Francisco was brought on as support for that project. Um, and so we did a lot of the trailer animation because trailers mm. come out so much earlier that you usually, not usually, but sometimes capture new stuff for the trailer. And then if it works later, you use it. And if not, you just keep going. Um, but we got really cool plates of what they shot in Hawaii, which was just nothing, just volcanoes, just whatever. And then they had like the previous uh, words on what they wanted to have happen just on the screen. And they're like, you know, this dinosaur, this dinosaur, fight. And we're like, <laughs> do you any, because normally you get like a PS1 graphic, like uh previs where it's like dinosaur goes here and then other dinosaur goes here. And you kind of have an idea of what you're supposed to be capturing. Yeah. This, they were like, yeah, you'll get it, figure it out. So they brought a guy in uh the local san francisco like lead for the dino animation and he came in and he explained so much about dinosaurs and we captured a whole bunch of stuff for it and uh yeah that was kind of our involvement it was just a trailer the rest of the film mostly london so it was wow. really fun it was it was cool all right i will also say a lot of your resume real quick did feel like that tiktok trend where it's like say someone else's favorite words on the phone and watch them perk up, like seeing Ben react <laughs> yeah. to your just like, it's like yeah. Jurassic Park, Final Fan. It's just like, it's you know. I was a professional. Feels, yeah. Please check my LinkedIn. I am a real, it is a real career. I didn't just like design something to sound cool. It is <laughs> some stuff I actually did. I mean, so, you did design it to sound yeah. cool in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm Holiday writes in, they say, Hey, Max, on Party Chat, there were a lot of talks about fashion and dressing up uh, to go to the Game Awards. Um, if you had unlimited budget and access to any designer or brand, what would be your dream outfit to a fancy event? Jeff, I'm, I know you're eager to jump in on this one, but please let somebody else talk. I beg of you. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah we talked a lot on Party Chat about just fashion stresses me out. I, I have no sense of any of this. It's... If I could snap my fingers and put everybody in a beige jumpsuit till the end of time, I would snap my fingers immediately. That so, would be my fantasy. So you want snap. that future that we yes. keep thinking exists, right? right. Like the um, the jumpsuit future. Yeah, stop I think, thinking about fashion, everybody, please. I don't know, like, a lot of designers by name, admittedly, but there's um a series of really fun clothes, which maybe I'll wear this one day, but from this company called the Candena Collective, um, and they make, like, really, like, vibrant... Um, outfits and then there's another designer i also i follow a designer on twitter but i don't remember their name offhand and i have like a pin somewhere that I'm, i have so many things listed on things i want and it's like i'm not gonna get any of these things uh, there's also a designer named um it's like a duo des- uh, design team the website is like chat i feel like i'm totally butchering that but they have like these gorgeous sort of elaborate floral gowns but also like a lot of their outfits kind of look like if you were ready to lead a bunch of um, like woodland creatures into battle, and that's very appealing to me. So I like love <laughs> the look of their stuff. They have these kind of funky like ruffles or like fake armor and glitz and things hanging off of it. Like it's just su- super, super fun. But the pieces are like fairly expensive, like into yeah. like low thousands. So like, it, you know, I I could conceptually save up for that, but it is just like, you know, outside of maybe, you know, a wedding or something, like me getting married, I don't think I'd be able to just casually show up to a free work event in a $1,200 gown, but maybe I'll get there. I don't okay. know. We'll see. Yeah. Do they have armor in white for if you're getting married or how they, weird is that? Oh, so 
and now I'm well now I'm nervous that like my partners will listen to our, my content no. for the most part. But there is um I found a wedding dress that I really like from here. So we'll see. Okay, I don't know, okay. You know? Okay, who can say? Um I guess you mentioning armor. It's not on me. <laughs> okay. It makes me think of um I guess if it was like no budget, doesn't matter. If I could get like um Frieza's armor. <laughs> what Jeff? Oh, what do you, yeah. Like, what do you call it? It's not quite Saiyan armor because like Frieza's goons wear it, but the Dragon Ball Z full armor. Get that and like, but some version of it that costs as expensive as possible. I think I would feel confident wearing that. Other than that, it just needs to be a button-up flannel shirt. I think those are my two modes. Uh, anybody else got hot thoughts on fashion? Are <laughs> we moving on? <laughs> All right, Joe Kefchinski writes in and says, a friend of the show, Chris Kohler, in his Wired review of the classic Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, called it, quote, the laziest, cashed-in, churned-out sequel without the name Guitar Hero on it of the year. Hot take, Chris. Uh, What's a popular take about a 2023 video game that's going to look wild 15 years from now? I'm just going to pop in here and get my statement in and then run. Okay. Um, And I'm doing it in hopes that... Storytelling in games akin to Baldur's Gate 3 keeps progressing as much as it has. Because I would love if people looked back on Baldur's Gate 3, which is my game of the year, and were like, what a simple concept. You know what I mean? Just like, that is a straightforward story with pretty cool characters. But now, you know, now we have, insert whatever, and it's just gone so far beyond. Like, can you believe that was, like, innovative? Like, I really want people to take Baldur's Gate 3 as a foundation and go further for like player expression or just like high level storyline stuff like honestly both yeah. just like really dumping you into a full world and honestly if it's just Baldur's Gate 9 by that time is what's <laughs> out overshadowing Baldur's Gate 3 that is 100% okay and encouraged yeah but uh something akin to that where it was like yeah we thought we peaked in 2023 but we were not even close to what we thought would be possible but yeah I, I was um interviewing a developer recently it'll be up on monday on min max's youtube channel and it's one of those things where i felt bad about like it was right at the end of the interview and he said something where i was like god you could really unpack this for an hour but i don't want to be that combative um but i was asking about like you know because they're they have a new studio and it's like hey we really want to push storytelling forward in games we think it's a great potential it can surpass uh film and tv it's like okay 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 and then i said like yeah what recent examples can you think of of games that have kind of pushed storytelling in games forward and and he's like, he goes, uh, Last of Us. It's like, are we really there? It came out in 2013. Like, we all like The Last of Us. But for, it's 2023. And it's just, it kind of bums me out to hear like a big developer being like, no, peak of video game storytelling was back in 2013. And I know developers don't have a lot of time to play. Maybe they meant part two? I don't know. I, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but it's like, I know developers don't have the most time to play games. But it's like, I was hoping for something a little more experimental or moving the entire genre forward compared to that game. But anyways, look forward to the interview with Mac Walters for Mass Effect fame coming up on Monday. No, it's a good interview. It's just, I was kind of bummed by that last little burst at the end, but uh, anybody else got a popular take from 2023 that's going to look stupid in 15 years. So it's trendy now, but it's going to look dumb later. Oh yeah. gosh, that is so tough. I'm trying to think what's the, where have we had that before? <sighs> I don't know. Like the, I think everyone's getting tired of like the tight corridors, and I know like sometimes that used to be for loading, but I also know it's also has design purposes. Oh, the shimmy. Keep, oh, the to squeeze. keep players yeah, okay. like it's not always just about which they had that conversation when I forgot if it was Ragnarok or what game came out where like the developers were like, 
hey, this isn't just because we couldn't load it. Like, right. There's other reasons. But I feel like that's not like a big enough trend, Ben. So do you have something more interesting? I'm I don't know about trend. Um, no, I, I was just thinking 15 years from now, I think the popular take in 2023 of like Starfield, what a wet fart of a release. Blah, blah, blah. I, 15 years from now, there's a chance that it's like it's up there mm. with Elder Scrolls and Fallout for like, oh, of course, that's just a Bethesda franchise, of course. But Janet, I mean, after they release a sequel and an expansion that turns things around, like I think there's a chance that it's going to be in that so league. It's going to cyberpunk its way onto... I think it could. I think it's possible. Are they, do they have plans for that? I'm sure they'd like to. I'm sure on a whiteboard I, somewhere I, they say, let's cyberpunk this thing. I think that I, think that I just saw an article saying they're doing a big update uh, very shortly that, that will add like new transportation and all kinds of stuff. Plus, you know, like once the modding community gets a hold of it, yeah, yeah, that's really and what they they, they always like transform their games and make it make them much better. Yeah. Uh, Michael Barry writes in. They say without looking it up, Jeffum, can you explain the Christmas tree? I mean, they look cool, but what is the origins of them? Uh, that's a pagan thing, isn't it? Some freaky pagan thing? I think so. So what was the idea? Just They would put trees, put they decorations sacrif- on trees? They, they probably chopped up some sacrifice and put their limbs under the tree, and then, it's, and then that became presents, and I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's pagan, though. Okay, all right. <clears throat> Without looking it up, this is my memory, too. I think... Aren't, didn't pagans get their name because it's like hills or something in Latin? And it was like people that live in the hills outside of Rome. I think they're pagans, but like Pegasus is hills or something. I don't know. This is like this memory interpretation of paganism <laughs> is, is real. It's really going in some direction. No, I think they're like the cult of the tree in Alan Wake too. That's how we're all envisioning pagans. Yeah, I no, honestly, I'm like, I think you guys are just <laughs> taking vague, eerie imagery and like smattering it together. Um, I do think... All that aside, I mean, I, I would imagine Jeffrey is right in the initial. It wasn't in a pagan tradition that then got turned into, you know, absorbed a Christian tradition, probably. Like a lot of, I mean, a lot of that stuff was absorbed into right. Christ, modern day Christianity in a sense. I mean, in different ways, but you know. Yeah. I thought it was a Germanic thing where they would put candles on it. But you think even before that, there's something? I think before that, there's something. Because before most things, there's something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <How> insightful. <laughs> <laughs> insightful take as ever you know i'm not wrong was it did sound dumb yeah but it was true i'm looking at jeff and he looks like he's doing research yeah I, uh, oh i thought you were gonna do, do well i already gave stuff. my answer so uh-huh. um, okay yeah but now i'm just i'm just thinking about pagans because pagans have been so <laughs> demonized but it's like were we just demonizing them because they weren't christians and that's why people thought they were Bad yeah. people, yeah. but also, oh, yeah. what, yeah. what yeah, people are they? They're all people, right? It's not like it's we're we're the pagan culture. It's just everybody who's not Roman, right? Just I, not I feel like anytime, right? yeah. anytime, I, sure. anytime, like I I see a reference to pagans in like video games or something. Oh, yeah. it, it's it's the way it's the way that they do like um, shamans, you know, where it's always like super offensive, and it's not, and that's not like what shamanism. Is it all? Sure, yeah, yeah. Are you talking about the Avatar game? I'm talking. I'm talking about literally any game that has a shaman yeah, in it. Yeah. Really, there's um, a lot of stuff in games yeah. where it's like, you know, choices were made, right? It's like, uh, 
Hey, like, how do we make this scary and also offensive? I was like, mm, did, until dawn, did you need to have this in here? I don't know. <laughs> until dawn. Uh, uh, all right. Well, that's the history of the Christmas tree, everybody. Um, well, did we get the answer? Like, the I, I answer? really thought you were looking it up, Jeff. All right. I, yeah. Uh, no, I, I was. Pagans would bring fir trees into their homes at Yuletide because it represented everlasting life and fertility. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. And I'm going to search real quick. Who are pagans? And then the modern uh, Christmas tree, which also this is just all straight, the first thing on Google. So let's be honest <laughs> about that. It, is, yes. um, it mentions uh, for the modern day Christmas tree that originated in Germany, Ben, according to Britannica. Okay. Where, oh. And then it was like, oh, it's about the religious feast of Adam and Eve. So it really is, honestly, a lot of traditions are just like a rebrand, like a Christian rebrand on yeah. how do we like make this about what we have going on. They're called know? spiritual successors, Janet, for a reason. Yeah, the, yeah. Yes, the titular spiritual successor. Captain Cobblepot writes in and they say, greetings, Maxers. Uh, you get a new exotic restaurant in town. How exciting. But they only serve mythical creatures. What are you ordering? Does Nessie taste like shark meat? You can't eat Nessie. Nessie is so sweet. Come on. Uh, Jeffum just DM'd me and he said he will only eat centaur, but only the human half? Jeffum, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? Come on. <laughs> I'd never say that. Who wants to eat what? And it sounds like something you'd say. No. <laughs> um, I don't know. I kind of hate these, like, this feels like the cousin of, like, what Pokemon would you eat? Right, you know, right. On these. A phoenix. A phoenix. You'd want to I want someone to explain how you'd eat that. Well, just also it's on the trick is like I want to eat and cook them. That's right. Can I have a rare phoenix? I bet it can't exist. You'd have to have a well done phoenix no matter what because it's just constantly bursting into flames. That's good. I think that would be the taste because it'd be like it, it would come as like default flame and hot chicken. I feel like no matter what for the flavor. And that seems great. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Uh, Super Cerberus writes in says, since Janet is back on the show this week, I just want to back up her argument from like two months ago. Uh, Yoshi's Woolly World is a great game. The exploration is satisfying. The secret levels are creative and challenging. It's the cutest game ever made and not to mention the soundtrack is excellent. So congratulations, Janet. I I appreciate, I wouldn't call it a grudge, but thank you for holding on to that (laughs) for two months because... I respect the hell out of that. Yes, thank you. Our Lord and Savior, Yoshi's Willy World. And one of the best Amiibos ever. It is big. Plush, it is cute. It's excellent. Plush little friend. Yeah. It's horrible. I, I was thinking about that after you went to the mat fighting for Yoshi's Willy World yeah. as a better game than Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Um, <laughs> look, I rolled credit to Mario Wonder. I'm not going to deny <laughs> your take, but I wonder if there's something to it of like... You wonder? You, the, the, old, the old idea of... If you really pay attention to a game and 100% it, you will respect it so much more. You know Ooh. what I mean? You know, like, I feel like if I 100%ed Woolly World, I would also be convinced it's a great game. Or, like, if I focus on 100%ing Mario Wonder, I bet I would enjoy it three times as much. I didn't 100% it. I only got all the flowers. I did not get all the yarn. Okay. So one, all right. Okay. I take it back know, a little bit. Never mind one. then. Two. Um, I think it cuts both ways. I think it deepens appreciation for some things, but can also um, let you see the flaws in things more. Um, I mean, it's one of the reasons if what you're saying was completely true, platinuming a game would always be a fun time all the time. A lot <laughs> yeah, of times it's not okay. because you realize, God, I hate doing this one thing over and over again or taking out all these camps isn't fun. It does get repetitive. So it's kind of like I think it reveals more. I think it amplifies the truth, but I think that base truth already exists. That's also why I'm a big proponent of 
so a lot of times while it's fun to I like beating games to give a more full complete perspective like my more complete perspective but oftentimes that perspective does not change from those first couple hours a lot of times too like there's more to say and you have like more of an understanding but sometimes a game you don't like is just a game that you don't like and that doesn't really change if you get to know it more you just learn different things that you maybe don't don't like about it so yeah um yeah so i disagree with you okay no that's completely fair um haley but also have you have you beaten woolly world yet I haven't even started Woolly World. Oh, you should do that um, for next year, please. Yeah, it seems like a good game to play with the nephews or something at some point. Uh, it's always on the no, back burner. No, because I don't want, I don't want any, no offense to your family. I don't oh. want anyone dragging this down for you. Like, I worry <laughs> that you'll be like, I don't know, they weren't into it. Like, I don't know if I want to put my trust in these, like, unaffiliated with the company gamers. They're very you know stupid. I mean? Okay. All right. Except company Haley. gamers Haley, only. Cool. You can, you can <laughs> squat up with us anytime and that's fine. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Haley, what's it like being on the podcast so far? I'm having an absolute blast, and every <laughs> once in a while, I'm like, "Oh wait, I'm on the podcast!" I, like, "Oh yeah, I'm it's really in. weird." So, uh, yeah, it's very fun. Jed, I know you're obsessed with uh, podcast listening speeds on, on Twitter this week, but the weirdest thing is like, whenever I, I'm lucky enough to guest on a podcast that I'm a fan of, it's just so weird to be like, "Why is everyone talking so slow?" Danny O'Dwyer sounds bizarre right now. It's just weird to hear people oh. in their nor- normal rhythm, you know? I have a, a well, I don't. I feel like it's illegal to ask a question because I'm not. I didn't write in to the Patreon. It is. I mean, you um, can still win question of the week if it's really good. Oh, man. What has this all been for? No, but I have a question for all of you, actually, on that note. Um, When you listen to podcasts, to what degree, especially gaming ones, to what degree are you, like, shouting at them? Like, not necessarily negatively, but being like, yes, absolutely. You know, like, kind of, like, whether you say it aloud or, like, internally, like, to what degree are you almost entering that conversation? Or are you just chilling and listening? No, 10 out of 10. I, I... I scream all the time in my head when like someone gets something wrong or like, you know, forgets the name of a developer or something. I just like, ah, I want to jump in there and help so much. I could jump in and help you or you're getting this take wrong. I swear. Um, and so uh, the control freak in me jumps into every other gaming podcast I listen to. Uh, and it's a curse, I think. Haley, what about you? Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I do find myself occasionally, um, like responding to what I'm listening to. And then I'm like, Oh, again, I'm in a public space. Like, and also they're not there. Um, But I think, and this is weirdly specific, but a big difference I notice is if I'm listening in my headphones versus like on a speaker, for whatever reason, if it's in my headphones, everyone's like right there, like chatting away. But if it's on a speaker, I can like associate the source and I don't like respond as much. Um, but yeah, it also depends on the podcast. Like you, min max specifically is so like conversational that it feels really easy to be like, and here's my, Oh, sorry. Yes. So is it trippy to be here now? And you're like, now I can do it. Like you kind of broke through the wall. It's pretty surreal. Not going to lie. Yeah. You can steer the show wherever you want, Haley. You you can sit back and host the rest of it. Whatever you want to talk about. It's your show. You paid for it. You donated to charity. So you not have to host this podcast. Yeah, please please. save me, Haley. Please. Someone open the door. The the basement door is actually welded shut. (laughs) Okay. That was your chance, Haley. I'm going to bring up a boring question. Crap, crap. Okay. Okay. Go for it. Okay. Go for it. Rich writes in and they say, with the official announcement of the end of E3, by the way, I apologize to Rich for calling us a boring question. No, with the official announcement of the end of E3, the show's uh, last ever mention outside of a press release will be its cameo in Space Jam, A New Legacy. Perfect. (laughs) You know what sucks is I worked on that movie. (laughs) No! (laughs) God damn! (laughs) 
I and it. You've worked truly, on everything. Did you work? Uh, no, on no, 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 like, no. She is now. <laughs> Actually, Haley, the other Haley and I are the same person. Um, no, uh, uh, no. I just I only bring that up because I feel especially bad. Like of all the movies for it to be in, feels peak. Peak E3. That I, seems to be exactly where it needed to be. Any other film would have been too, maybe too nice. No, I, I don't think you should feel bad about that. It, like it, it is the perfect swan song. The E3 is being that weird reference in Space Jam: New Legacy, which for if you haven't seen a Space Jam: A New Legacy, I don't know what you're doing with your life. But the idea is LeBron James sends his kid to what video game school, and it's like E3 sponsored video game school or something. Haley, did we talk about you working on Space Jam and your legacy on Patreon I, too? I, no, I okay. just, it was a, it was a weird show and like they were split across different stages. So I had no idea what any of the movie was about except for the basketball game. So like going in and watching the film, I'm like, this is wild. Like I thought our section was crazy, but how we get there is even more ridiculous. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. You remember when the goons from a clockwork orange watched the Space Jam basketball game. Those were film? real, real people. Yes. Real people. Jeff, and this it happened. Was crazy. It was crazy because we had okay, so <laughs> our stage was a giant green screen basketball court, just green screen court. That's it. And obviously, they were gonna like play a game on it. But every time they brought in the bra- the background artists, were like. Who, what is this about? Because it was like the Clockwork Orange people, the Batman villains from this. It was um, the guys from Mad Max, like the white painted right, face yeah. people. And I'm like, do they actually, partic- what is going on? And it was cool because no one knew. Anyone I talked to was like, yep, we're here. We got to just shoot it. Let's go. I still so, think Space Jam and New Legacy, it, it, we reviewed it on the podcast before. It is the nastiest movie ever made. It makes me feel gross but I love it for just being a gross film about trying to min-max a studio's filmmaking algorithm. And in a film with that plot, they're also shoving every ounce of WBIP they can in there. It is, Jeff, um, it is nasty, but you should watch it. It is corporate well, nasty. What, what, if they have the clockwork orange people in it, <laughs> yes. then yes. Yeah. Uh, Iron Giants in it, I believe. Um, you know what's wild, Haley? Somebody else. I was... Uh, cross-pollinating the streams there. Uh, that's the phrase, right? No, but somebody else in the Minimax community worked on Space Jam New Legacy as well. They're an animator, and they were messaging me about it recently as well. Okay, we'll have to connect, because again, yes. more fo- I've got follow-up questions for them. It, yeah, crazy. Craziness. Weird. Do you have a favorite project that you've ever worked on? Um, A favorite project? I have different favorites in terms of like, you know, oh, this was like prestige, like working on like Endgame was crazy, because it's like everyone saw it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think my favorite... Uh, at least earlier on, was um, the Vader Immortal VR game. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I played that. Chapter one and two, I think, is what I'll, all I was on. Um, and that was really amazing because the team had to really scramble together because I think it was originally like a Ninja Theory joint or Ninja Theory or the other Ninja Studio. I'm not sure which one. Okay, I think it was Ninja um, Theory. And then they got picked up by Xbox or something and dropped the project. So something had happened and all of the resources and stuff that they wanted to originally put into it did not appear. Um, and so working with that team was really like uh, scrappy and really fun to really build uh, what I think ended up being a pretty cool experience. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Did you get a pin for working on Endgame too? I did. Oh um, let's see. Do I have it here? I do. I do have it here. I grabbed Captain Marvel, Fallen Kingdom and Endgame. So the Endgame one is pretty straightforward. That is so um, sweet. Yeah. You can so. wear that around town and you'll be 
a hero. Are you kidding me? They definitely just look like the logo of the film. So yeah. they really just blend in, which is nice. Yeah. Um, that's probably one of my favorite things about working there was they were always really keen. Like everyone get your show pin. Like, you know, it's important. So Jeez, very cool. That's so sweet. Uh, Victor Garcia writes in and they say, I saw a statistic that's an, by the way, sorry. What are the odds that Rich would write in talking about Space Jam A New Legacy and then we have somebody on the show that worked on Space Jam A New Legacy? That is so weird. <laughs> Apparently higher than it zero, is. which is shocking. Yeah, to be honest. Too, too many people worked on that movie. One of my coworkers that I work with now also worked on it and we like just survived together. It was a huge production weird. for no reason. Anyway. Well, so. there was a reason. There was a reason. I was... Happy to see it, you know? We're like, I watched that movie. We, like, put it on a projector in our backyard, had a bunch of friends over, and it was, like, the perfect way to experience that, I don't want to say travesty, um, but just surreal experience. Anyways, Victor Garcia writes it. Uh, they say, I saw a stat that said only 30% of people can flare their nostrils, which seems low to me. That got me thinking of other things that not everyone can do with their body. By the way, everyone's welcome to bow out from this at any point. If this is too weird, how many of you can do the following? Flare your nostrils. I think that's just like. Is it just making them big? I think so. I can't tell if I'm just moving my yes. nose or if I'm flaring. My... Okay, so we're at a hundred percent of this podcast, as far as we can tell. Pulling it. Um, let's see. How many people can roll their tongue slash make a U shape? Oh yeah. I can't. I no, can't I do can't. either. Mm-mm. No, I can't. I can't do that. I can't roll my R's or anything. Um, wiggling your ears? No, I don't think so. I don't. Nah, I wouldn't even know what to try. <laughs> is that and that's different from just like moving your eyebrows enough that your ears kind of move, or is that the same thing? I, yeah, I feel like you it's, pull them back. Yeah, it's like a left and right thing. Like they move. Yeah, see, you're just moving like your face. <laughs> that counts. Not it. Um, what about raising one eyebrow independently of the other? Yeah, I can only do it one. I can only side. do one as well. I can yeah. only do one of them too, right? What is that? Why would that be? I don't know. I feel like a lot of me is a little crooked. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You ever feel like a lot of you is like uneven? That's that's That's, that's the human experience. Asymmetrical? Yeah. Just, okay. I mean, I don't think I want to get into the specifics, but you know. Okay. like. Hey, Patrick writes in. They say, hey, Minerax crew, <laughs> for restaurants with placemats or tablecloths that you can draw on, what's your move? Do you play it cool and ignore it? Do you draw that S symbol, try and play tic-tac-toe with someone, or risk coming across as a tryhard by completing the word searches? Great question, Patrick. No one's asked it yet. Are there adult placemats? There's only a kid's thing, right? (laughs) There should be. Um, You could probably ask for them at an adult restaurant, and you'd get it, and then you could have fun at a restaurant for once. I was wondering if maybe, like, at a a more mom-and-pop Chili's, they maybe have them just out already. Like, I don't... You know what I mean? I'm trying to understand when... When I'd have the opportunity. If I had the opportunity, I probably would give it a go. But what but. do you do? What do you draw on there? Oh, I probably would be a tryhard and do the word search. Um, mm. But it'd only be if I was in a setting that, that felt appropriate. I feel like if, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like if the vibe felt like you could do that, then I would. But if it didn't, I wouldn't. You know what, what I mean? If I, was, if I was just with my dad. Like I see my dad so infrequently. I'm uh-huh. not going to just like start doing something else while we're hanging out. But okay. But you if you're at like I mean? a work like, event, then yeah, you got to draw. Among friends, it. okay. No I get offense it. to my dad, but you know, it's a different vibe. Yeah, Jeffum, you got a go-to placemat? It, word search, of course. Hell okay. yeah! You, yeah, you, you have that you whole can, Wordle series. I missed when true. you would do that. <clears throat> it's true. That was, I, that was a thing I did. Um, what can you say? <laughs> 
Yeah. Are you getting into, Jeff, Jeff, I need you to you calm into down. the connections game on uh, the New York Times? I do connections. Yep. Okay. I do that one as well. I don't I don't like it as much. Janet. I know. Um yeah. I, I, I feel like I feel like the only way that game is hard is that you'd like they just have to they just have to pick a word that overlaps with one of the other categories. And at that point it's like, well, I picked a right word, but it wasn't the right word that they wanted me to pick for that. And that's, but sometimes they'll have theme ones where it's like every word is a two letter word. And that's kind of fun how they, how they, they change that one up a lot, which is, which is kind of fun, but yeah, it's not my favorite. By the way, did we acknowledge enough of Rich's question to go back several? Um, Cause the other thing about space jam, new legacy that people don't (laughs) remember is, Hell G rhythm. New, like Mario movie. You know how you like Sarah's like Ben. Yeah. We need to stop talking. You need to stop talking about the Mario. Movie. I just think people should talk more. All the time. Sarah Silverman was, was in Space Sarah. Jam. I, don't know. I feel like it could use some work. It's spot on. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, they they did announce right. the ESA did say this week that uh, E3 is officially dead. Um, I know, I know that you've seen that headline fourteen times, and the podcast has had it in its headline at least three times, but. Officially, officially, it is now gone. Uh, ESA said, yeah, never mind. Don't even try and Wh- imagine a future for the E3. Which also feels like the perfect end in terms of like, because they came out and said, oh, no, we're coming back. Don't worry. Like, right. maybe not next year, but but we're definitely coming back. And then for them a couple months later to be like, no, actually, but thanks for the memories is just, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what the management has been for years. And it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. Haley, you're thinking about something intense? Yeah, I, yeah, doing a brief Google. Reed is, who makes the Funko Pops? That's Reed Pop, right? Isn't no, that I think you're just E3? connecting the word pop. Am I just connecting the word pop? <laughs> I think okay. that's what's going Great. on. Never mind, never mind. <laughs> I mean, maybe cool. I'm wrong, I don't know. Nope, nope, you're, nope, you're, conspiracy over. You're yep. thinking of the Greedo Funko Pop. A lot of people make that mistake, I think. Yeah. Very popular. Mm. <laughs> Very popular. Uh, all right, Haley, you're on the spot. You ready? Okay. Uh, question of the week. What's it going to? Question of the week. Definitely remember all of the questions. Yep, um, yep. I, I'll remind you. Uh, yeah. Let's see. The cheap versus expensive version of things. Uh, are video games still embarrassed of themselves through the Game Awards? Popular take that'll look foolish in the future. I mean, Space Jam New Legacy was wasn't really a question, fashion. but it made the show better. So it's your call. <laughs> respectfully sorry space jam you c- cannot acknowledge you um let's see the face challenge face challenge learn about learn about our facial muscles that was pretty cool it's kind of your specialty um, it is yeah a little bit so and honestly i'm sorry brief side note anytime we'd capture faces and stuff every actor except for like one or two would struggle with the eyebrow thing everybody like no one it's not like a it's like a really tiny percentage of people that can do it um Let's see. I I like. Can we just give the prize to Haley? <laughs> Honestly, like, thank you for being here. No, thank you for having me. But uh, no, I liked. Um, well, Janet sent some of the fashion in the, Ooh, in yeah. the Discord, and it looks awesome. So oh, I yeah. like the fashion question or the um, video games being embarrassed of themselves question. That was kind of fun. Okay, as they say uh, in Star Wars, there is no or, Haley. Um, you need to choose once and for all. It is. That is true. All right, I'm gonna give it to fashion. Fashion, Malcolm hey, Holiday. There we go. Um, Finally, some love for fashion. I sent it in the yeah the Discord channel, but Ben, I tagged you specifically because I feel like the shoulder 
parts of these Ooh. dresses look DBZ like. Really? Yes. DBZ dresses? Yes. Like um, the tops have like ooh. the, you know, it sticks out and then it comes back. It does just look like armor. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a good look for sure. Right? That is They're sweet. Cool. Um, so you're telling me you didn't feel self-conscious at all being amongst a bunch of really well-dressed people at the Game Awards, Janet. No, that just I seems was so scary. with them. Like, yeah. are you kidding? Like, I, I feel like I brought it. I didn't bring it like crazy hard. I'd yeah. like to bring it harder, but I brought it. I bring it everywhere I go for the most part. And if I don't <laughs> bring it, that's also intentional. Jeff, so. if I had a nickel for every time I heard you say that sentence. Here's my greatest fear is it was so small and I'm probably twisting this in my memories. But what happened one time is we're at like a Ubisoft mixer. I think it was like at GDC this last year. And it was with like Blessing and Michael Hyam and folks. And I think Michael Hyam walked up and he's like, ooh, looking good. And he's like going around a circle and complimenting everybody on how well dressed they were. And then they got to me and I just had like a stupid like half jacket for warmth half anti-rain jacket i just whatever and he went around and then he got to me he's like hey you're making that jacket work type of thing but just the fact that he was acknowledging I will say, that, that it was just a zero jacket one of the veins of my existence and i don't know maybe it's like i think people might read this negatively like isn't it nice to be nice people i kind of hate when there is that also though the opposite the obligation to give a compliment because like you feel like you're a jerk <laughs> if you don't right where it's like i can't just you know what i mean because you can't because then you have to do it. And then I feel like it's almost worse because, you know, I feel like the people know when it's like, you're just fake. saying that because I'm the next person standing here. Yep. yep. You know, like, so, no, that's, that's tough. It's um, tough. You have a lot of, like, vivid memories. Social. <laughs> I mean, everyone has their social trauma memories baked into their yeah, brains forever, right? Like, I guess so. Yeah, you're not wrong. But, okay. um, yeah, no, that's a lot. Hey, um, Haley, you know what time it is? Uh, where we talk about how we're supported by Patreon? Oh, we, we already, we already holy did that. crap! We sorry, already, not we already we, did that. Y'all. Oh <laughs> shoot! Okay, no, yeah. uh, we already uh, did that. Um, it's time for something that we like to call "Get a Load of This." <laughs> Perfect. Uh, hey, uh, get a load of this. Um, Jeff Cork said something during the Give to the Max stream that Haley generously donated towards. Um, it was late at night, so I don't know how many people caught it, but Haley McLean, you know, is from Canada, and we're talking about just different pronunciations in Canada and all that stuff, and Jeff Cork asked her, like, hey, how do you pronounce this word? I have never heard this in my life, but Haley's like, oh, of course. Jeff, do you know how Canadians pronounce the word decal? Decal? No. They say decal. And Haley's oh, like, of course, wow. decal. But it's just one of those, how often would you ever bring up the word decal with a Canadian? But they say decal. And isn't that adorable? Oh, that would be very confusing. Yeah. Um, and I was looking for confirmation of this just to make sure it wasn't a late night hallucination, hallucination on YouTube. And there's just a YouTube video that's how to pronounce decal and has 12,000 views. It's one of those things like, should we be in that business at MinMax just making videos on how to pronounce very basic words like decal? That's where the hits are at, baby. Uh, has anybody else got one? Just jump right in if you got something good. Yeah, uh, get a load of this. Uh, this is a TikTok that I saw that talked. It's a TikTok of a news clip, so it's really the news clip is the thing. But it is Home Alone grocery prices adjusted for inflation. Smart. And it talks about how back in the day, like when Kevin McAllister went to the store and bought all that stuff, it, in 1990, the price was $19.83. In 2022, adjusting for 2022 inflation, that's 44.40. But adjusting for 2023, 
7228 at a Chicago grocery store. Devastating. I, I feel that in my soul. Every every moment I'm awake and I live and I breathe, I think about how egregious it is, how expensive groceries have gotten. Janet, I do want to tell you how to live your life. That feels like a recipe for a terrible existence on this brief time we have on Earth. So if you could just not think about inflation with every second just, you breathe, well, I feel like you'll be better that, like, off. Because I, I do our groceries. Like, that's sure. like my, like, task. So, like, I'm in there, and I'm, you know, and sometimes I don't try as hard. I'm like, you know what? I'm getting the good cheese. I don't care. You know, whatever. I don't have any kids. It's fine. Um, but, like, it's just it's just so much. Everything is so much. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, no, it's just bad. But I, I thought that was wild, <laughs> like, of a comparison point. So that's my goal. That was a fun way to put it. No, it's good. It's good. Uh, Haley, do you have something? Uh, yeah, I have a, uh, article kind of rabbit hole from deadline. Um, so it turns out, uh, Netflix has finally released some of their viewership data for, for their content. Oh, interesting. And by some, apparently 99% of their titles, 18,000 titles, uh, from January to June, they've racked up all the hours and have just dropped them quite literally in an Excel spreadsheet, uh, that may or may not blow up your computer if cause okay. it's 18,000 rows. Um, but they kind of just, uh, brought these numbers up and it was deadline was kind of discussing more or less, is this result of the, the strikes and the actor, you know, residuals, things like that. And of course they were like completely unrelated, but, um, yeah, just some interesting numbers in there. Uh, turns out, I don't know what to watch on Netflix because the night agent season one has been viewed for a hundred and no, excuse me, 812 million hours. Okay, that's always... Can they just say how many people watched it? Like, I can't have any sense of the well, number of hours. Actually, that's what's interesting is they, they used to do, like, or they also do by views where they take the hours viewed and, and divide it by the hours of the program itself and, like, try to break it out by views. Um, but there is some sort of stipulations with depending on how they phrase it. They may or may not owe actors more or less or their creators more or less. So they might have kind of revamped how they looked at it in order to you know, whatever, be shady. But um, I'm sure this is a great like quiz for maybe, you know, a future show or for other people to check mm-hmm. out, TikTok people and stuff. But they list all down the way, That's you know, cool. all the every single title, sort of how long people have watched it for um, and truly don't recognize any of the top like 20. Weird. So, uh, yeah, links fun. below for all this fun stuff. But Jeff, you want to rock us with yours and then the communities? Uh, get a load of this. Uh... This was a video from from a YouTube channel called Darkspace, and it was it's called Every Single Detail in the GTA Six Trailer. If you haven't watched a trailer mm. breakdown, um, this is this is the one to watch because they break it down literally. <laughs> they start it by saying there were forty seven shots in the trailer, and now we're going to go through each one Hell one at a time yes. and point out every little detail um, that you haven't seen, and it really gave me a greater appreciation you know i was happy i was excited you can watch our reaction to it i was excited to see it but um i didn't i didn't catch all of like the actual technical yeah miracles that that they're putting into that so it made me even more excited so if if your if your reaction to it was kind of mediocre of like eh you know doesn't look that much better than gta 5 uh you should check that one out uh but in terms of the community get a load of this this one's from uber noob um, and he said, I just had this float across my, uh, me for some reason, but the video is pretty wild. Uh, it's a, it's an article from My Modern Met, um, and it's entitled Pioneering Female uh, Aerobat Leaps from One Plane to Another. Uh, and it's it's about 
this um, pilot named Gladys Ingle, who uh, was a pilot for the 13 Flying Black Cats back in the 1920s. And basically, they were they were like a, a stunt group, um, but she apparently specialized from transferring from like the wings of one biplane to another one. And they have a video of her changing a tire. It, it wasn't a stunt. Like one of the other people who was flying a, bli- a biplane, like their it, its wheel fell off. And so they have a video of her just strapping a wheel to her back and getting onto the wings of another biplane and then flying up and then like kind of just hopping over to the to the oh wing of the, this other biplane and and getting down and like changing a tire on the fly. Uh, and she she lived to the eight, ripe old age of 80 something or whatever. She had a very long uh, and illustrious career um, doing these insane stunts. Uh, you should check out the video. The video will make your stomach all queasy just watching it uh, even now in 2023. So Awesome. Links below in the description for all this fun stuff. Uh, let's see, uh, coming up at MinMax here or at MinMax right now, uh, we have the rematch in a gingerbread house making competition between Sarah and I that is up on YouTube as we speak. It was an intense competition. Um, there was a comment today that made me laugh where they said, I never thought that the video that would have the most swearing in it in MinMax history would be one about making gingerbread houses, but it's an intense, tough competition. So you can check that out. Thanks, everybody, who voted for that. And that was the last episode of New Show Plus for 2023. We'll be back in the new year, of course, with new episodes of New Show Plus. Again, you can jump up to the Backstage Past here on Patreon if you want to watch all of our Game of the Year debates early, three weeks early, I'd argue. And if you jump up to that $10 tier, uh, we'll ship you a free Xbox code. We literally have hundreds and hundreds of Xbox codes to give away. So if you jump up to that $10 tier, I will DM you an Xbox code. Let's say that is through, um, if you do it this week. So let's say cutoff is going to be Saturday morning uh, for that. So the 16th, but I'll send you an Xbox code if you want to join that backstage past tier. Try it out uh, and get those episodes early. Otherwise, uh, MinHacks, the MinMax Community Game Jam, we streamed all of those games that the community made. Jeff, I know you are there last year. This year so good like it is the weirdest level of flattery and it's just sweetness that so many of these games have references to us in them like somebody took the new show plus episode janet of us doing the walking simulator simulator remember just leo and i went for a walk by the mississippi river and you were narrating it somebody turned that into a video game and it and like transcribed what we were saying it is the most surreal thing ever. <laughs> did they include when your card got rejected at the ice cream? They game? did. They did. Hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> game yeah. of the year. What are you talking? Why are we even doing the two times? Yeah, you're right. It should be up there. Um, anyways, so we streamed that. It's up on Twitch if you want to watch it now. Otherwise, um, we're going to release it, I think, on Christmas. That seems like a good one for Christmas on our YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. So just so we can space out our content a little bit while we're on break so the channel isn't completely dead. Um, but yeah, party chat we mentioned in a bonus podcast feed. If you want to hear Janet talk about the game awards and day of the devs and hear us debate um, the quality of the game awards and what they can do better in the future and all that fun stuff um oh and the big thing uh, trivia tower the final episode of trivia tower for 2023 it is happening wednesday december 20th so jump in even at that two dollar tier on patreon you can compete in game trivia and you can win a code for steam world build for avatar frontiers of pandora um and more oh and super uh, super crazy rhythm castle so very thematically appropriate uh, discussion there so you can win a code for that and also we need your help because in this episode of trivia tower it's another crossover episode 
and we're going up against our biggest competitor yet. We're going to try to take down those hot new upstarts over there at Second Wind. Uh, and they have a gigantic community at this point. And so we're going to invite them all over to the MinMax Discord to compete in game trivia. So please compete on behalf of MinMax's team by jumping in right now and win a prize. Uh, otherwise, you can also support Second Wind on Patreon and you can compete on their team over there. So it'll be a fun event happening December 20th. We're going out strong at the end of the year um, because also on Monday, this Monday, we have a new interview going up on the 18th. It'll be up in the bonus podcast feed and on YouTube. And that's with Mac Walters, who was the lead writer for the Mass Effect trilogy. He was at Bioware for nearly 20 years before leaving to start a new studio with NetEase now. And so it's a very interesting discussion talking about his full career, lessons he's taking from 20 years at Bioware to apply to the new studio. A lot of good insider discussions if you're into the game development scene. So I hope you all enjoy that interview and enjoy the fact that we're still cranking out new content, even though it's the end of the year, everybody. Um, Haley! Haley to boom, everybody! Absolutely. Can't thank you enough. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug, Haley? Um, let's see. Things to plug. Uh, actually, we I made a game with a friend on Steam years ago, and I just launched it today, hoping that it Ooh. would still work. Um, it doesn't work still. So we might we might get it updated and then I could plug that in the comments, I guess. But um, otherwise, I guess the only other things to plug would really be. Um, gosh, Apple Vision Apple Pro Vision Pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Apple Vision Pro. Definitely. Good luck. Everyone trying to buy one of those. They're so expensive. But uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful, well-made device. It's very fun to use. Ten out of ten recommend. Oh, 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 shoot, oh shoot. Um, but yeah, no, but thanks so much. And a uh, big shout out to MinMax and all you guys' charity work. It's always incredible and so nice to be able to participate this year. Oh, that's so, sweet. I yeah. mean, thank you yeah. for helping us raise $50,000 to $57,000 to, to help foster kids. That was a huge donation from you. So we greatly appreciate it. So shout out to, to Haley and great job on the podcast, Haley. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, How do you guys do this like twice as long? It's crazy. I was only in half a segment and I was like, whew, this is, it's exhausting. Anyway, please. You should, well, this is a long episode, but you should, you should join us for the two tens. That's really where oh it's going to be a drag out no, marathon. I'm, like, I'm sweating <laughs> just thinking about it. But oh, yeah, it's be so no, fun. thank you for being here. And, and also like, yeah, it's surprising how tiring podcasting is when you first do it or if you haven't done it in a long time. Like it, I think it just seems chill because it's just us talking, but like. I remember my brother the same thing. He started podcasting and he's yeah. like, God, this is a lot of work. And I'm like sitting there like <laughs> drenched in sweat every like a whole day. Really? Like all these shows. But yeah, the lights are really bright here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Haley, before I let you go, I'm sure I bugged you about it on Patreon. But yeah, is there anything you want from MinMax in the future? Uh, anything from MinMax in the future? Uh, I don't keep 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 on keeping on, and okay. I mean that sincerely. Like straight up, the vibes are immaculate. Like I love the energy and the show, new show plus especially. Like the the suggestions every week are always like nothing but bangers. Oh, so ten out of ten. That's so sweet. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Janet. You have something exciting happening at Pen to Pixels. Yeah. Um, also, do we have a? This is like inside baseball stuff. Do we have a way for the community to easily like recommend ideas for new show plus? In the suggestions channel in the Discord. Okay, yeah, so it's yeah. just okay. Cool. I was just wondering if how that was collected. Um, yeah. So over at my outlet, Pentapixels, uh, it's primarily you know just a place where I write myself. But I finally commissioned my first piece. Uh, it's Uden Chronicle Hundred Heroes uh, preview that my friend slash peer Eddie Santiago wrote, uh, which is great. Uh, it's it was like the perfect opportunity of you know he's he local to LA and they had an in person thing during the GGAs. It's a game genre that I don't really have anything to say about. So being able to have him bring his expertise was really exciting. And uh, hopefully I get to commission 
more throughout next year and write more throughout next year. So yeah, yeah stay tuned for that because I'm updating that. Um, and then my last thing is this shocked me actually. I uh, you know the top 100 Apple Podcast thing had been floating around and like you know PS I love you's in there. We're in there. I was like yeah, and I was like oh like you know, Indie Council is not going to be in there. Like, we just started, like, a few weeks ago. We're in there. We're number 87. And I was, like, shocked that we're in there. So, yeah, shout out to the Indie Council and my colleagues over there. Jill Grote. Um, yeah, Jill yeah, Jill Grote, Jenny Windham, um, Mike Toundro, which one time I said his name was Mike Townsend, and now that lives in my head <laughs> right free. So I do have trauma, Ben. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, so much expertise. Um, they're really incredible people that do a lot of things in the indie space. Uh, and it's a pleasure to work with them. And I'm hoping it'll elevate my indie game for next year. Because this year I feel like I was not as on it and like these are like the best in the biz so i'm gonna try to step it up and and find some cool new stuff to play next year sweet love it all right thank you so much everybody for watching or listening to this episode of the min max show podcast and a special shout out to everybody at the game champion tier the 50 dollar tier uh trampoline tales is the champion of luck be a landlord star killer is the champion of star wars the force unleashed Haley, did you work on that no, no, oh, a little before my time. The first thing she didn't work on in this podcast. Uh, Malcolm Holiday, question of the week winner, uh, is the champion of Into the Breach. Great choice, mm. Malcolm. Ooh, I can't believe nobody took pick. that one. Clement Zobel is a champion of Dragon Quest VII, Journey of the Cursed King. Patrick Polk is the champion of God Hand. Jawar Hello is the champion of Tetris Plus. Uh, Procyon number six is the champion of Ghost of Tsushima. And Pretty Good Printing is the champion of Street Pass. Also a diabolical choice. So we'll have the poll for the game championship coming up before the end of the year to let you all vote on which game we create more bonus content about. But all right. Street Pass. Street Pass is going to be a fun one uh, if people vote for that. But uh, Haley, do you want to sign off with the Be Good Fun Let's Go or however else you want to sign off? It's your honor, please. Oh my gosh. Okay, definitely didn't do a sound check, but uh, okay. Be good. Be good. Mm -hmm. Have fun. Mm -hmm. Okay. Be good, have fun, let's go! <laughs> <laughs>